follow along with us at CannabisAgenda.com. And now, your hosts, Jamie Katz and Mike Reed. Hey, guys. Uh, hey. So here we are. Yes, indeedly. A new back. Ep- new show. We're here. We're actually recording again. Sweet, huh? It's great to be here on time. That was a that was a long pregame powwow, dude. We we were uh, we we're getting at it over here. It's getting serious, people. We're having some fun. <laughs> yeah, we're we're geeking out for sure. This is a uh, without the geek, um, but you know we're we're totally like we're having a lot of fun with this. This is a a great new uh, way to communicate. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. This is our, I think this is our 20th episode. Number 20. That's an anniversary. Whoa. Hey. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. Hey, you know what? Yeah. On, a, on, a, on a really happy note here, there's only 400 shows left. Hmm. And that's when the <laughs> big party happens. Show 420? That would be, like, gosh, dude, that's really hard to imagine. You are all invited. Everybody invited. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it, it, 420. Um, there's Where were the biggest parties this year? Was there anything going on in Illinois? What happened in Illinois on 420 this year? Hmm. Some people um, got a lot arrested. Of people ducking, hiding. People got arrested. A few people got clubbed with uh, Coca Bolo sticks. Um, I don't know what else happened. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people in the privacy of their own home under uh, careful discretion had a, had a great time. Did uh, someone really get clubbed, dude? Come on. Um, undoubtedly. I mean, really? you know, it's, it's, it's sad to imagine that that's so readily, you know, true, but sure. I'll imagine somebody in the state had some cannabis and, you know, the cops said, Hey, and, you know, completely buzz killed and rained on their parade. And they might've, you know, unless you respond completely, um, compliant with them and, and polite. Yeah. It depends on where you're at. It's that like, might, it's almost like you have a gun time. you have a joint and they like, they like treat it like you have a gun or something and they club you. It's ridiculous sometimes. It really is. You know, speaking on uh, police naivety, we have a little clip from a few years back that we'll play a little bit later in the show. But, yeah, there's some uh, naive cops out there. There's some good ones. We're not we're not saying that you all cops suck or anything negative like that. But, you know, gosh, you know, smart ones, aware ones, please talk to the unaware ones and bring them up to speed. How does that work? How do we, like, guarantee that aptitude matters within the police force? You know, I don't know. They uh they have uh, a rigid approach. It's it's it ends up being an ideology an ideology in in a sense, and and they teach them from a certain perspective, and they don't include things like, you know, a lot of this stuff is nonsense and it's myths. So don't don't fall prey to the myths of of cannabis. That being said, it's our it's the law right now, so we're we're you know binded to to you know enforce it. But this, a lot of this stuff's not true, so don't get carried away and understand the truth. They should do that. I mean, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if Columbia, Missouri's probably had some of those conversations re- recently. Sure, but uh, you know, hopefully more people will start to do that. Well, inevitably they will start to do that. But right, you know, like for- I mean, it's pretty ignorant if you for some reason treat someone that possesses marijuana like they have a weapon on them you know and you like tackle them or club them or whatever i mean there's just no it's a completely non-violent crime it shouldn't even be a crime and then i don't know i just i think cops should be fired for that sort of shit that's i think they i think they're they're subject to the same laws as we are in most instances i mean you know that's i don't know it's amazing i was just reading about the police officer that shot the 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 white cop that shot the um african-american uh 
guy in, in the BART system. I think he was in the, in the subway in San Francisco. And it's huge news there. It's just absolutely enormous news there. And they moved him down to this trial down to the Southern California so he would have more of a fair trial. And it's, it's, it's just in, in, it's very spotty coverage down there. And over here, nobody's talking about that. Nobody, you know, I'm taking a, a, a class right now about race, class, and social justice system. And, and nobody's mentioned anything about that case. It's a, it's a great example, you know. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing how it's, that stuff just that, gets stifled. That's the one that happened in Oakland, right? There it were, is, like, it, riots over that kind of, wasn't there? Th- I think that's why yeah. – that's one of the other reasons they moved him down there for the trial is, is to, to pre- try to prevent the riots or because, possible riots. Well, did, they had a small riot, I thought. I thought the reason that they're so scared of it is because there kind of was At, one. During the cops' arraignment or um, – It may have. No, I, I don't know. Yeah, well, well, we should check into that story more and and see what's up. You know, it's it's really speculative and speculative in nature. So I probably shouldn't even you know say this, but you know me. Um, it, it, it there were several witnesses. I believe several of them had the kind of camera phones that could film things and stuff. And you know, at minimum, they had pictures they were taking. So there was there were solid witnesses to this event. Just imagine for a second if there were no witnesses. How do you think that would have came out? And uh, then from there, go on to imagine how many people, how many times in the country things like that happen. And, you know, as long as they don't see it, it's kind of like people say about speeding. As long as you don't get caught, it's it's okay. But, uh, yeah, that's kind of. Yeah, it's unfortunate. It happens way too much. I'm sure it's probably daily, weekly. I don't know, at best weekly. But things like that happen all over the place, you know. People sure, abuse sure, their yeah. power. Cops are people too, and that's not just to say in a good sense. I mean, we'll, we'll, I'll give them that much too. Then, in a good sense, I know a lot of good cops out there. Sure, but uh, they're 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 fallible as people as well. And if you go to DRCNet, they have an excellent feature that comes out uh, regularly on the this week's corrupt cop stories. And uh, I'm sure it's much to the chagrin of the good cops that are dedicated out there to to, to hear about this thing. But you know, they're you can go there every week and see a list and it's just a, a smattering, you know, they don't, that's not at all by any means all inclusive. It's just some every week that are, that have gotten caught, you know, selling drugs, beating people up, doing all kinds of stuff. I mean, serious offenses. So, you know, it's uh yeah, it's crazy. How do we keep them, uh, keep them, uh, enlightened to what's going on and let them know you know they need to be aware yes yeah (laughs) Yeah. dare i use the term cultural sensitivity you know i don't know i don't know i don't know i'm not it'd be good to kind of have a criminal justice expert kind of tell us how they go about evaluating cops and you you just made my whole month my friend i'm so i'm so grateful that this is being recorded so i have evidence that you actually said that out of your own mouth that's a thing what you know? I I am the I am the sensitive stoner award winner. Yep, you so, got it last week. It's official. We need it's the fantastic crowd to my ears to hear you actually bring up intentionally. You know, social. What did they say that again? How did you say that? Social sensitivity. Social uh, cultural sensitivity. Cultural sensitivity. Fantastic. You yeah, like and that? In the pot culture, you know what? There's like four people that are probably somewhat violent in the pot culture. Out of the you know I don't know how many hundreds of millions of people that are involved there. So. Of course, that's a that's a guesstimate. But. I would I would say that yeah, pot's one of the counterculture subcultures, whatever it actually is now. Um, sure. It probably has a very high per, you know higher percentage of nonviolent people involved. Yeah, with it, yeah. You know, 
you know, the, the policy is one thing, but just the, the fact that they, they'll talk in private and say they know all these things that we're trying to espouse to them about, trying to enlighten them about, you know, and they're, they're, it indicates that they already have awareness, a lot of them, and they completely deny it and, and lie about it. And that's, that's the thing that gets me. That's the thing that irks me because that, that sh- proves to me, in my mind, that shows me that a lot of these uh, problems and a lot of the, the negative friction between uh, law enforcement and cannabis users is entirely unnecessary. Not only unfounded or shouldn't happen like we all, you know, talk about, but I mean, it's, 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 there's no reason for it to even be happening at all because they know better. It would take us, what, like a two-hour session to like teach, to give them a, you know, a two-hour seminar on, on cannabis okay. and, and culture and, you know, everything, everything there is cannabis just to teach them a little bit. I mean, if, if it was promoted by a police department, it would, be very successful with very little resource. Absolutely. Hey, Cogs, what's the uh, website where they're uh, informing people about these type of issues? Um, do you have that on top of your head? No. It just came Did out with the new videos. Uh, uh, flex Your Rights, is that what you're referring to? Flex Your fan, Yep, absolutely. <laughs> FlexYourRights.org. So I would, he spaced I would me there, man. You put Matt on the spot, <laughs> dude. You totally did. He looked like he was, uh, he was uh, digging deep. caught in the that. headlights there. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> put him on the spot. I got our info, our contact info uh, update for everyone, too. If you're listening, you are listening to the Cannabis Agenda. Uh, we have uh, our uh, website is CannabisAgenda.com. Our email is info at CannabisAgenda.com. You can give us a call, 707-654-CAN, C-A-N-N. Leave, leave a message for us. We'll play it on the air if it's good. Um, we are also on Twitter and Facebook, and you can check us out on iTunes where you can, I mean, I think you can have the show downloaded automatically, right? Yeah, every day, right to your phone or your iPod or whatever fancy little device you might have. <laughs> yeah, Matt's a big fancy device fan, so <laughs> we're trying to hook it up for you. So if you're into your fancy device, by all means, it's going to be able, we're going to be able to ping you whenever needed. So um want to give a late reply to Roy for his emails. Uh, he, he took back disgusting a couple weeks ago and uh, changed it to treason. I appreciate that. Um, we talked about you last week but we had a technical problem and lost part of the the first couple minutes of the show so um you there is a dvd on the way to you shortly we appreciate the email from that was from many weeks ago we were talking about it but yeah the dvd's on the way um and uh we want to give a shout out to smoky sam from britain for uh tuning in last week from no agendas plug um thanks for the email we really don't know too much about the cannabis scene in england but uh we hope that you guys can make some advances and we appreciate you listening keep on listening um we've got uh we're trying to give away some more stuff right jamie what's what's the deal with that i put together a little thing for us i thought we'd do a few quotes here and i want you guys to see if you can guess who said these things so it's like a game it's a little game thing, and we're gonna give uh, we're gonna give somebody a little gift away, and uh, we'll get to that in just a second. Um, what, who said this? Make the most of the Indian hemp seed and sow it everywhere. Do do do. George Washington. <laughs> You're absolutely right. Yep, the founder of our country, the first president ever. He said that, and he meant it. And uh, all of the framers were were using it. In fact, who said this one? Hemp is of first necessity to the wealth and protection of the country. Yeah, I know that one. That's Thomas Jefferson. That's TJ from yeah. his crib. One of my favorites. Yep, you betcha. He grew Absolutely. all sorts of that shit. Totally. Okay, here's a tricky one. Who said this? That is not a drug. It's a leaf. Oh, no. I don't know that wow. one either. A lot of people probably said something similar to that. 
Arnold Schwarzenegger Shh, said that. That's Arnie. <laughs> yeah, the governor of California, where currently Proposition 19 is making a heck of a stir. And dope smoker. Yeah. yeah, if you want to check out more about that, actually, there's a great documentary. It's called AKA Tommy Chong. It's about Tommy Chong's life and about his incarceration and that whole debacle that, that occurred uh, uh, a couple years back. And uh, it's worth watching uh, on its own. You know, it's great stuff. But within that uh, documentary, there's some footage where, where Tommy goes. He loves the Gold's Gym and he works out there regularly. He has some longtime friends from, from Gold's as well. Um, one of them actually is, is Arnold Schwarzenegger himself. And uh, there's, a, there's a section in there where an, an older uh, bodybuilder. It's amazing, man. He's like obviously an aged guy and he's just pumped. But uh, he's talking to, to Tommy kind of in a, on a personal level. And he says, man, I remember when you used to come around and we used to go over to Schwarzenegger's house or something. To, they, they all got together and went over to one of their houses and they just smoked it up. And it wasn't like I just tried it once and didn't like it. So yeah, it's, uh, it's interesting. It might shed some insight on why uh, Arnold's not on the radio everywhere saying this is a horrible thing and we're not going to do it. He really, has he, I don't think he's really commented about it at all. You know? He hasn't. And kind of quiet. I wonder, I wonder if he'll go out blazing (laughs) like like he's he's leaving the the governor's mansion smoking a joint (laughs) that would be the coolest dude i I would i would he might win back my favor i don't know yeah i would i think i could appreciate any more that way hopefully guys uh were able to guess those the listeners were able to guess those um that's uh i included them because they are very pertinent i mean make make the most of the sea sow it everywhere that's pretty uh open point blank statement and uh george washington i would say was a reasonably significant gentleman of our history thomas jefferson as well one of the primary architects of our constitution he said hemp is of the first necessity to the wealth and protection of the country that is absolutely uh primary in importance in his mind and uh, i think he had some insight into what was important for our nation so you know i included those on purpose and the arnold one i just kind of wanted to you know show him out there a little bit and let people know that, you know, this guy knows a little bit more than he might be letting on. And this is the one I want you to guess. He said, who said this? If you can send us an email at uh, info at cannabis um, with the answer to who said this quote, we will send you, uh, we will mention you the winner on the, on the next show. And we will send you a DVD copy of reefer madness. Um, this is, here's the quote. It really puzzles me to see marijuana connected with narcotics, dope, and all of that stuff. It is a thousand times better than whiskey. It's an assistant and a friend. And I would give you a, a hint, but, you know, I think that's, uh, that's enough. You can figure it out, do a little research. Send us an answer in, uh, info at CannabisAgenda.com, that was, once again, and uh, we'll get you a DVD. All right. We'll let you know hey, next by the week. way, you guys did fantastic on that. You guys know your you, you know your stuff. I'm I'm honored to be on this show with you. <laughs> oh shucks, that, that's part of why. Yeah. You're just such a culturally sensitive guy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it looks like we're moving on to the California news for the week. Got Here's, some news. Got some news from California. Yeah, we do. Um, I'm reading a. Uh, this is a story from CanvasNews.org. Um, it's uh, about uh, marijuana prices cratering if it's legalized. Uh, the story, a ballot measure to legalize marijuana in California would sew up in supply and demand that pot prices could plummet by as much as 90% and possibly undercut the tax windfall that supporters have touted to sell the initiative, a study published Wednesday found. 
The study by the nonpartisan Rand Drug Policy Research Center forecasts some interesting scenarios in California. In November becomes if in November if it becomes the second state after Alaska to legalize pot for recreational use by adults and the first to tax commercial cannabis sales. Pot prices could drop from three hundred and seventy-five dollars an ounce under the state's current medical marijuana law to as little as thirty-eight dollars per ounce before taxes um, as legal pot suddenly becomes available to the public. Rand says, "What do you think about that?" And I'm seeing, I'm hearing car doors all around me. Just let them know it didn't it didn't happen yet, guys. Wait a minute, people are uh, rushing to the airport. I think that's uh, that's a testament to the fact that you're right. You were right in a previous show when you said that this is going to be the most enormous uh, cannabis desta uh, tourist destination ever. Oh <laughs> yeah, California is going to be the king of cannabis. It's going to be the sunshine and stony state. But thirty-eight dollars <laughs> an eighth or an ounce? Well, thirty-eight yeah. dollars an ounce. So we need to talk about this study here. Rand does a lot of independent studies. They're think tank basically, and they have other other arms, I believe. So, mm-hmm. um, and um, but this is their drug policy research center, and I'm not sure how they're funded or anything. Definitely should be looking into here. But what they're talking about is um, pot prices basically dropping a tenth to a tenth of what they're worth currently. Mm-hmm. And um, they're kind of making this assertion off of a lot of, like, assumptions, kind of, you know. They're making a lot of assumptions. But what they're really trying to say here is is that, are you sure it's going to make as much money as you're saying it is? Because one of the biggest arguments for Prop 19 is the windfall taxes that they're going to put on marijuana when it's legal for recreational use. Um, they're saying that they're go- th- these are the proposals. I don't believe I've read the bi- I've read Prop 19, and I don't believe that this windfall tax is in Prop 19 itself. It must be in some other bill that's still or already pending in in the legislature or whatnot. But what they're go- talking about doing is they're talking about taxing an ounce fifty bucks, right? Mm. So this fifty dollar tax per ounce is going to be taxed to the retailer, I guess. They're, they're- it's going to be if, – if I buy an eight, they're going to do – That's oh, probably the easiest way to do it. I'll pay a tax uh-huh. the, as a consumer basically. Mm, that's, that's Your typical sales tax happens at the, at the final sale to the consumer. Well, so there's sales tax, right? That's mm-hmm. one tax, mm-hmm. which uh, from these other stores, I'm, I'm sure there's going to be sales tax involved with, with, with marijuana sales. They're going to try to have sales tax and they're going to try to have this – what's it? Excise tax? Is mm-hmm. that what this is called? Mm-hmm. $50 per ounce. So if I bought a quarter ounce, mm-hmm. they'd probably then charge me – a quarter of 50 bucks on on that plus sales tax and those would be my taxes associated with buying the ounce okay or the quarter ounce. Mm-hmm. okay so what they were saying um also is is this um the rand institute what they're saying is is it's going to drop to a tenth of the price so perhaps all the money is really just going to be in the excise tax and if they still add a 50 dollar, you know even if it is 38 dollars an ounce if, if california decides to still add a 50 dollar tax on there they're gonna then it'll 88 Bucks yeah, an ounce. 88 bucks an ounce. But that's kind of crazy, right? How can you justify a tax that's worth more more than the the uh, actual price of the product? Welcome to America. That's crazy. <laughs> that's that's pretty insane, really. Do, 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 but what really gets taxed like that? Well, what, that, that also assumes that the price will actually fall to $38 an ounce as I, well. I agree. I don't think there's any way. I think... Like we've been told about it, right? Like the most inexpensive production per pound cost you can actually come up with is like around five hundred dollars or something. No, that was. We should figure out what we're 
um, I think that, we, that was about saffron is what he was, uh, the gentleman was referring to. I, I remember that discussion, but I... Something different, 500? Yes. Oh, last night. Yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm pretty sure that, that, you know, like even an outdoor pound, even if you grow wheat outdoor, it's going to cost a decent per pound, but maybe not. Who I mean, knows? We'll see. That's that's some. I mean, I get that'll be a good question for the seven oh seven instant for the seven. What is it? Seven oh seven cannabis college. Yeah, we or should get some uh, get mm-hmm. them on here and see what they think about um, the the economic or what what it actually costs to produce. Sure, sure. Um, a given amount. Yeah. So um, one of the things that basically this article's what this article from Rand wants you to what their findings want you to realize is is that there's a possibility that the numbers that people have been touting. For you know, and you know, because they support Prop 19, could be exaggerated significantly. And then I think, I think unfortunately, the way that they're trying to to prove that point is by going all the way to the other end of the spectrum, where they're like, "Look, it won't be worth as much as you think. It's going to be worth this much." And now that the any of the income tax or any you know any of the sales tax that you're going to get off it is going to be way less because its its value is going to drop so significantly. But they basically are looking at to to do this analysis. They um, looked at like current tobacco, current marijuana prices, and then they compared it to tobacco. And they're not being very, um, you know, like forthcoming whether they're talking about like you know cigar tobacco or pipe tobacco or what. But I don't know. Don't you guys think that the tobacco industry and the marijuana industry are totally separate? things like they're not i mean they're so so different aren't they yeah they're definitely apples and oranges i mean i don't don't think you can just take numbers from one industry and apply them to another right probably a bad way to arrive at yeah whatever numbers you're arriving at yeah i i I kind of feel like um anyone trying to you know i don't know it would just it'd be so hard to imagine the price is plummeting that much Uh, it'd be good to hear from anyone in like um, Holland or BC or anywhere where, you know, weed is legal and being taxed. Um, and, uh, this, this also, I mean, I, I, they make a lot of assumptions, which I guess they have to, um, to complete their study. Um, but I mean, I, I don't think you can grow weed indoors for $38 an ounce. I don't, I don't, you can't, I don't, yeah, there's no way to do it. You, you, yeah. But I'm, you know, then that begs the question, is there any reason to be growing weed indoors in the first place? Well, I, I, some people are still going to, there's still going to be a demand for that as long as there's a perceived benefit mm. from the indoor, you know? So, and that perceived benefit's not going to go away for some time. Yeah. Sometime. But it, okay. So I just can't imagine how, how even, I, I don't know. I mean, I could see the cost of pounds going down to 1500 to $2,000 a pound for indoor weed is low. Possibly. Yeah. Possibly. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. indoor around a thousand bucks a pound. Indoor, outdoor, I mean, outdoor. Uh-huh. I'm sorry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it seems like, I don't know. These seem like level uh, for me, just from the experience I've had around this industry, that, that kind of seems like more, more of a potential than a so at, $500 at a, pound, a thousand dollars a pound. You're still, you know, that's less than a hundred bucks an ounce. It's 80 or 70 or 80 bucks an ounce. Yeah. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. That's it is what it is, isn't it? It is what it is. Yeah, and I mean, <laughs> you know, if uh, if people want to stay in the business, that if they really love this business, then they can stay in it. I mean, there's no, 
thousand dollars a pound is still you know a good amount of money <laughs> and of course all the consumers of cannabis that are listening to the show are cheering i know they're like oh my god <laughs> right see you know a lot of times people uh, that work in this industry get the perception that they're not talking with people who are just consumers of cannabis and not you know like insiders and everything people have been getting screwed on prices for weed for a long time so it's kind of the reality, you know? Yeah, the consumer is definitely going to benefit from legalization. Definitely. No, by, yeah, no question about it. Yeah, it's, it's all around going to work better for the, um, for the consumer. Was, you know, it's just a matter of uh, if what people are t- trying to talk about now is, is how much of an effect is it going to have on the regular families that are currently being supported by cannabis money, you know? Um, so we'll, we're going to have to, we're going to see, but, uh, Overall, man, Prop 19, I, I just, even if it, if, if it brings pot prices that low, it's because the cost of production must be really low, too. That's the only way I could imagine that legalized weed would actually take the cost down. That and $38 an ounce sounds, I mean, I just, I can't imagine, you know. Mm. Um, but uh, we'll see. Time we'll will see. tell. Time will definitely mm. tell. Um, Certainly keep an eye on that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. What's uh So uh Long Beach? Yeah, what's happening in the LBC? Ooh, the Long Beach Council uh backs a marijuana tax measure. Um Long Beach, uh California. When Long Beach voters join other Californians in November to decide whether to legalize recreational cannabis, they may also get the chance to decide if it should be taxed. I believe we have a clip about this one. Yep. And uh we'll, we'll go ahead and play that for you now. Check it out. Discuss a ballot proposition that would tax the sales of medical marijuana. If approved, it could go to the voters this November. KCAL 9's Rita Garcia is live in Long Beach at tonight's meeting. Rita? Rick, council members voted 8-1 to one to move forward with the idea of the proposed tax, meaning there's going to be another hearing on August 3rd, and that's when they'll decide if voters will see the item on the ballot. You don't want to use your first-time patient, you get four grams. Fred Nagavi runs Mr. Green off Long Beach Boulevard, but after learning city council members have moved one step closer to possibly taxing marijuana sales, he's now unsure as to how long he'll be able to stay open. We're not making that much money to be charged this much, like 5% for the tax. The proposed tax stems from the city's $18.5 million deficit. Lorianne Farrell explains collectives would be charged a 5% gross receipt tax, and for those cultivating the plant, it'd be a 75-cent tax per square foot. The revenue will go towards the city's proactive approach at regulating dispensaries should marijuana be legalized come November. We will have to regulate the cultivation, the possession, the distribution, the sales, keep it away from minors, and that all requires resources. Nagavi says the city should find other outlets to generate money, and he almost feels picked on, since ultimately the tax will be felt by his patients, who he says need his business. We have five different ways that we're looking to cut uh, expenses in this budget. This is just one way that that we're hoping to generate additional revenue. Folks can also expect to see Proposition 19 on the ballot. That would like that would legalize, excuse me, marijuana in California for those 21 and older. And Farrell says they anticipate it'll pass. That's how come they have to generate so much revenue. Live in Long Beach, I'm Rita Garcia, KCAL 9 News. Back to you. All right. Mm. Very interesting. So it's a 5% uh, additional tax on top of sales tax. Is that the deal? I believe so. I believe that's how they've uh, outlined it. I don't know if that's... I don't know. There's been some talk about the legality of this even being able to take effect. I don't know. That's probably the issue that's probably most taken to uh, 
into question. But uh, yeah, there uh, looks like more and more people are looking to to cash in. We had the people that uh, we mentioned last on the last show about the getting involved with the stock market and actually trading in cannabis business and uh, the the whole big thing down in um, uh, San Francisco, the medical cannabis cup from High Times. They had huge it was huge cannabis business displays and competitions. That's all cannabis business related, and all these uh, localities now are starting to they're looking to get in cash in on this uh, option as well. I'm for them. Just don't tax us to death, right? Well, here's the deal. is it, It's almost like California's not doing this so much. Um, mm-hmm. I'm seeing other places start to do this, but they're talking about taxes in a way to where they're assuming that marijuana is going to be, it's going to be justified to tax cannabis the same way that they tax tobacco and alcohol, which they tax, put a lot of tax on, you know? Mm-hmm. Um because they have super crazy negative social and health consequences to their use. Um, and so um, a lot of these taxes are being touted and prompted up because, like, you know, um, they're trying to say it's just as detrimental for society. And that justifies the tax. And I'm not so sure that it does. I think that's a debate that still needs to be had. I think that when it comes to taxing cannabis, uh, they need to be fair at first. They need to give cannabis a shot to to succeed as a as an industry. It definitely should be taxed. It should be regulated, but they should not tax it to death. They want they want this to be a thriving industry, and they should not over regulate it either. So that's where I'm that's where I'm at, at this point. It's a new new legal industry. They should let it develop as much as possible, and not just make these crazy assumptions that these you know hefty taxes are are uh, definitely justified because it's, you know, an equivalent to alcohol and tobacco. I just personally don't believe that it is. I think it's in its own class, and um, people will see that over time. So, yeah. um, you know, that's where I'm at on and, that. And, you know, that's a, that's a very intelligent point that you made. Uh, I, th- really, I really agree with that. Um, I, 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 I kind of neglected to keep in mind that uh, most of those syntaxes are based on the idea that you're going to do a lot of damage and actually like indirect damage to society in the form of extra bills and extra problems and, and, and negative uh, ram- you know, consequences of, of using whatever you're using. And I just don't that's – a, that's a really smart point I think that – I haven't really discussed much up until this time that uh, I don't I agree with you that I don't believe that cannabis really presents those types of of problems or, or you know, cost on the backside. Yes, yeah. those other substances. Do. I mean, I, you know, if, if you if you're if you're listening and you feel like read a new book, you should read uh, Safer. Um, um, you know, uh, it's a book about uh, why marijuana is safer than than alcohol. It's safer than alcohol. You should check it out. Uh, it's, um, it's a good book. So, um, I, uh, I just, I don't know. I believe that it's not going to cost society the same that it's going to cost tobacco, that, that tobacco and alcohol did. I would love to hear someone try and try and prove that it definitely will. I, I, I just don't see the evidence. So, um, you know, so it, it, having that said, we, we need to be mindful because in one, you know, to one respect, it's definitely legitimizing us to be paying taxes. But in the other, we need to make sure that we protect our industry and get taxed fairly. Um, and that's all still, you know, to be seen. So apparently mm-hmm. that guy in Long Beach didn't sound like he thought it was he thought it was going to be detrimental to his business. You mm-hmm. know, so. 
That's, more taxes, uh, more costs, more uh, more reasons to run away customers. Definitely, you know, I think that 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 bodes negatively toward the effectiveness of Proposition 19 too, because you know if they make it so out out outlandish or unreasonable, the people are going to say, "Screw that!" You know, I'll get my own. And and then the people that don't want to grow their own, then they're going to find somebody that's willing to grow enough of their own to still sell on the black market. And sure, be careful to make this work right. And it's all about implementation and. And, you know, the mm-hmm. thing that's wrong with California is what's wrong with the federal governments, what's happening to many governments is, is they just spend and spend and spend money and then they look for ways to bring in revenue to take care of the deficits they create, but they never really cut spending. And, I mean, it, you know, it's it's a debatable a debatable subject that's going on everywhere, but, I mean, that's what they're talking about. They're talking about having they want to ma- increase their you know the money they make that's what the government's goal is they're not talk as she said oh and we in this in this budget bill we do have other ways of cutting costs this is just one way of raising revenue but we won't discuss the ways that we're actually going to cut costs because that's unimportant as long as we're raising revenue and it's justified because marijuana is mm-hmm. bad you know so yeah. i mean that's i don't know that's kind of the the vibe i get off of these people these yeah, politicians Right, right. You know, you know, for sure. Well, there's some well, regulations this, uh, up in San Fran now. It looks like, huh? Yeah, this out of the Bay Area. You know, up until now, uh, edibles, cannabis edibles, man, they're prevalent in almost any uh, any good quality um, dispensary you go to. They'll have some sort of edible. Some of them are very ex- extensive in the amount and the availability, the different types of edibles that they have in there, from pot brownies to chronic milkshakes. And uh, San Francisco has set. The first pot brownie and chronic milkshake regulations as recently. Um, The San Francisco Department of Public Health set some of America's first pot brownie and milkshake regs in response to the growing sector of the medical cannabis industry. Um, That includes edibles, edible, edible baked goods, as well as ice cream, lollipops, chewing gum, even olive oil tinged with THC has become a smash hit uh, sector of California's dispensaries, uh, owners say. But such edibles can also lead to frightening experience and even emergency room visits when they are accidentally ingested or improperly prepared. Anecdotal stories and news headlines abound of grandmas, children, pets, um, and, and, and friends, unwitting friends, that accidentally ate unmarked THC edibles and experienced cannabis, uh, cannabis' sometimes harrowing effects. And, uh, you know, we talked about that on a show uh, pri- previously that, you know, you asked me if I've ever done that. I have. You said you've indicated that you've done that as well, Pot. And, you know, we both uh, – I think that that's, that's probably accountable for the most – the vast majority of people that go to the emergency room is because they're freaked out. Because you know, they ate pot food, dude. Yeah. They didn't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We have that, that, that kind of funny clip uh, that's coming up is, is, is directly related to that. Yeah. But uh, according to David Burns with California's Office of Statewide Health Planning and Development, the state does not track cannabis-specific emergency room visits, so there's no way to quantify a rise related to the new $14 billion state industry. Marijuana is grouped with other psycho. Well, it says here psychodysleptics. Have you ever heard of that word? What I is thought it was that? Just saying psychedelics, but it says in quotes hallucinogens. So anyway, um, it's grouped with other. Let's just say hallucinogens. So it may be pot or something more potent. They're categorized as poisonings. Whoa. The coding is just too vague. Burns, say, Burns stated, "San Francisco's medical cannabis regulations." call for labeling the amount of marijuana on each individually marked opaquely wrapped cookie or rice crispy treat and keeping pets and children out of out of any kitchen where they're being made 
No treats should resemble any type of candy uh, for obvious reasons. And no dispensary can make hot or cold dependent foods like milkshakes or ice cream without a special permit from the public health department, which kind of also makes sense too. I mean, regular food prep, Preparation, you know, people that sell food um, on a retail basis, they they are all subject to that. So why would just because you put pot in it, you don't have to be regulated? So that's not a huge deal, but uh, it's designed. Uh, uh, the health department has also designed coursework and an exam for permittees to get them up to speed. San Francisco's Green Cross Delivery Dispensary operator, what a heck of a job that'd be, uh, Kevin Reed has implemented the guidelines and says they're necessary to prevent accidental exposure to the psychoactive herb. He says there are a million different advantages to edible products, but then you have people who turn around and put Snickers labels on it, and an average kid can't tell the difference between a Snickers bar and a pot Snickers bar. He said there's still this Wild West mentality in that in that aspect of the law. Reed's grandmother accidentally got into a plate of pot cookies at his house four years ago and demanded to see an emergency room doctor when the effects came on. He quote him, he says, the first one was, was good, so 30 to 40 minutes later she had another one. She wasn't from here and she didn't have any education about the subject matter. When, when, he, when I came in, she said she ate these two cookies, and she said she was feeling kind of funny. Her blood pressure was up. Her heart was pumping. She got paranoid and asked to be taken to the emergency room. I told her she could get in trouble for no reason if she went to the emergency room, and she became even more paranoid. Eventually, I had to hold her down. She accused me of, you just want to take my insurance money and my inheritance, stuff a crazy redneck mom from Alabama would say. <laughs> <laughs> I would definitely recommend that patients consider cookies just like their medication, like their Vicodin. It should all be locked up, Reed continued. If it's not labeled, you don't want to be that one explaining to mom why your heart's beating so fast. And uh, there's Wow. A Grandma got ran over by a pot cookie. By a pot cookie, yeah. And that's she was flipping, too. And the more he tried to tell her, no, don't do that, you'll get in more trouble. It freaked her out even worse. Uh-huh. That's just nice. But uh, I, I, hopefully it's a funny story at this point. She's probably still scared witless about it, you know. But, well, uh, and that's – I kind of feel bad laughing about it because I know that, uh, you know, if you eat too much pot food, it definitely will freak you out. Unless you're, you've absolutely. been there before and you can know to tell yourself to chill out, you know. But yep. I mean, you know what? The only reason that you, that generally happens is a lack of awareness. Even for, for experienced cannabis users that have not eaten it yet, when they first eat it, a lot of times they don't realize – you know, because it's it's difficult to to over titrate your dose when you smoke it and get that kind of reaction, and it's 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 really not at all difficult to elicit that response when you eat it. Um, but the, if you want to go to the San Francisco's Department of Public Health regulations um, for making edible cannabis products, there's a, a link and there's a PDF file you can download there that gives you all that information. They also sponsor training and exam contact information. When I went to their site to check this out, though, I noticed that the, the most recent class was canceled for for non uh, participation. So not a lot of people were taking up on that one. But uh, Reed and Goldman do recommend to consumers only buy individually wrapped edibles with an expiration date and dosage from a licensed dispensary. Know your tolerance level before ingesting cannabis. And if you don't, only eat a small amount to determine its effects. And of course, keep your edibles locked up at all times so your uh, friendly neighbor or whoever, you know, your your Doberman doesn't come up and go, whoa, cookies and end so up with a far, big surprise. Yeah, these sound like re- like really reasonable regulations, don't you guys think? I think so. You know, it's San Francisco. <laughs> I'm not surprised. Yeah, well, they're doing you know? it right in the Bay Area, and they've been doing it yeah. better than anyone else in California since it started. So I agree. I mean, I agree. Which would know. make them better than anywhere else in the country. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, they're setting themselves up to be 
the fastest to be really good as far as tourism goes. And I mean, you know, like, you know it's going to be nice. They're going to make a lot of money at first off of it when it first changes over there because they're ready. You know, yeah. And one great thing I noticed in California was, or in uh, in San Francisco was, there in their dispensaries. I, I went to one quite a while back. They uh, they had they had a, a complete rundown of what certain strains and what certain types of cannabis worked the best for through in, intensively uh, kept records of anecdotal evidence from patients from over like geez, thousands of years even anything they could gather to put this stuff together i don't know they spent just endless amounts of time putting this information together and they had that available to help to guide people and i thought wow that's that is truly leading the way man they're showing us what what needs to be done to do it right yeah i mean and those are just no nonsense regulations. I mean, as far as the safety goes, I mean, you're absolutely you right. chimed in your opinion in the middle of that, that it's just like any other sort of food, you know, and, and that's how I feel. I mean, um, definitely should be labeled. You don't want kids. You don't want animals getting into it, you know, so it needs to be put away for, for children not to be able to get into and then um, and for animals, too. But, you know, as far as like being labeled, I think it might be difficult to label exactly how much cannabis is in there, but it can be done, right? Yeah. 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 What do you think? Yeah, I think that would be difficult. I don't know. It, yeah. I mean, you might need a lab uh, to assay it at, at the end, mm -hmm. end of the day. So uh, you just stick with your one, you find your one, you your one, you know, set of ingredients, you go with that and then you go have to, to I guess spin so. to have but it even, tested. And even though, you, you know, your, your trim or your cannabis would change every time you make your, your True. batch. It's different so. THC mark. And oh. maybe you just need to say how much of whatever you're putting into there. How much cannabis mm -hmm. of trim. Sounds like, a, like, you know, this contains approximately point blah, 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 blah grams of trim mm -hmm. or whatever something like that. extracted through the blah 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 process i'd or, be it'd be interesting to read uh to read their regulations yeah yeah mm -hmm. see what they yeah, say you can get them uh get them on their site on the on the health department site they have uh, all the stuff listed there they put it in handy little pdf files you california 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 yep totally got another it's story california. california from up here in humboldt county actually yeah this uh it seems like it's getting uh more and more technical I, th I think so. There's cannabis. So all over the country, there's currently cannabis colleges um, opening up. And basically, uh, to the most extent, they're pretty simple. They teach you how to grow cannabis on a, you know, on a small personal level, perhaps on a small um, commercial level. Um, they give you some tips to get started, basically. But seven oh, I have a different feeling about this place. This is called the 707 Cannabis College, and it's in Garberville. Which is in Humboldt County, California, the Emerald Triangle. Their sign, the unofficial capital of yeah. Humboldt County, right? Right, and um, the the their sign has a triangle around a pot leaf with health at the top and law at the bottom, and horticulture in the uh, on the other sub bottom part of the triangle. So um, they're definitely you know trying to represent the area. Uh, it's a group of entrepreneurs um, and residents who've lived here for a long time and have seen, you know, the whole industry change in front of their faces. And um, they are big into encouraging sustainability, good health practices, organic living, and the true spirit and intention of caregiving to all people's fauna and flora. So it's very Northern California, very cool people. They are about sustainability. Apparently, that's one of their trips is they're going to be uh, trying to teach people how to do this more sustainably. Um, we're hoping to get an interview with them sometime soon so we can see exactly what they mean by that and what their viewpoints are on indoor growing, greenhouse growing, 
um, outdoor growing, what they think is the best, what kind of things they're actually going to be teaching. Um, they say here in their, their About Us section that over the years, we've had to pool our resources and knowledge to support each other in our efforts, but always behind closed doors and undercover. We believe that now is the time to go public. So what I think is going to... So here's the, the the cool thing about this place, right? You know, people are like, Humboldt's going to die because... Every anyone can grow weed in a- anywhere, and they can grow it indoors now. And then down in the Central Valley, they can grow it. But isn't there something priceless about all the years, thousands and thousands of years of collective knowledge now we have as a culture up here for growing pot? Absolutely. To be said, aren't we going to have our? Won't we get our cut of the cut of the cake? Don't you think we'll get our slice of the pie? up here in Humboldt Absolutely. County? Do you think I so? Have a, I have an excellent uh, feeling about this college as well. I think you're going to get all of the essential information and a little bit more in depth than even uh, Oaksterdam's offering and uh, none of the BS. So well, what do you think? If, that- I, if I could go to one of these, which I'd like to do, I would go to that one. Yeah, and I wonder if they're, I mean, I'm trying to find out here if they're going to be aiming this more towards, you know, people coming through from other areas or if they're going to be like trying to teach people in this area how to come together and start doing this once it becomes more regulated in a, in a business sort of fashion. I mean, um, they're going to be sharing tons and tons of knowledge, stuff that you're not going to get anywhere, priceless stuff. You're going to be able to ask about all sorts of different products that are out there and get opinions on everything probably. Um, it's it's just going to – I think it's going to be – I think that this is going to be the – I have a good feeling about them. I can't wait to talk to them. I think they're going to be above and beyond what anyone else has to offer currently. So. Yeah, yeah, I've been uh, I've been doing a little bit of research about this. Uh, Kelly Dodds is their president. Hopefully, you'll be able to score an interview with her. That'd be fantastic. But uh, they just did a huge event to promote their new college uh, this last Saturday, just passed um, at the Mateel Community Center in Redway. And uh, go down the roster and, and see the people that they have. They're they're very very uh, reputable, respectable, um, knowledgeable people in this area. Chris Conrad was there. Um, they had uh, Dennis Perone out there. They had a, a whole list of people. You know, that regardless of how you feel about any individual there, they were all very qualified individuals. So, yeah, it'll be cool, man. I hope you can uh, score some more info straight check, from the source. Check out their website, www.707cannabiscollege.com. Awesome. Yep. All right. So what do we got going on now? Some topics that are barely worth any of our time. Yeah, let's do that. I think we got some comic relief in these today. <laughs> it's about time. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Bring the funny. We handle all this stuff, and a lot of it, it's all, we all think, we, we, we aggregate news we think is relevant to you that you'll find interesting. It's important mostly, but, you know, a lot of it, unfortunately, is kind of a, a bummer. There's so much negative stuff. So, you know, amidst the positive, there's there's just a lot of not so happy. So we thought we'd do a little bit of uh, humor to help lighten things up. Um, this first one is uh, amazing. I don't know, is this, is this, did we figure out this story? Is this from The Onion? <laughs> you uh, would think like, so. <laughs> The Onion, in case you don't know, is a, a satirical. It's a, a kind of a, a parody kind of news program where they make up stuff, and it's just it's absolutely hilarious. But people, dude, I this don't one, think this is from The Onion. This, this is, one is real. From Fox Eight. Yes, this is this real. Is just Fox too Eight. Real and yeah, Fox surreal. Eight, Middletown, America. I'll roll check it. this out. Believe it or not, it is easy access. Who doesn't have nutmeg in their home? But now that easy access is tempting teenagers. She said, you know, you can get high off of nutmeg. This 15-year-old Palmdale teen didn't want to share her identity, but she revealed to KTLA how teenagers are now turning to nutmeg to get high. 
How does yeah. she take it? She's what? Oh my God. Cut. Yes, the popular kitchen spice, if taken in high doses, can actually give your child a marijuana-like buzz and in some cases act like a hallucinogenic. The first thing I heard was, I don't want to overdose. And alarms went off in my head. I'm Just this week, the teen's mom says she busted yeah. her daughter after her phone was accidentally dialed. Listening in on the conversation, she heard the two teens discussing a substance and how much to take to catch the buzz. Oh, no. Oh, my. No, this is not good. Eating the whole nutmeg. Do it now. It's a little-known spice fact, but after some research, we found teens on YouTube experimenting, even discussing the buzz. This teen downing the entire bottle. Many saying the effects take hours to peak. Nutmeg contains a compound which belongs to the delirium drug family, hence the high. The user often taking three to four tablespoons. I think I shouldn't have done it. I know I shouldn't have done it. I think all parents should be aware of what is in the kitchen. It's not necessarily just a knife that they can harm themselves with. Spicy! Wow, well, parents have a very real concern about the nutmeg, but so far there are no reports of deaths from nutmeg. <laughs> oh, thank overdose. God. No, wait, nobody's died yet? Nobody's died. Oh, thank goodness. Jeez, man. We Dude, just... are, we, you ever tried nutmeg before? Not to get high. I smoked <laughs> yeah, banana peels when I was I a kid. Yeah, I did the own. banana peels. It didn't work. No. Like, <laughs> no, none of it works. <laughs> the nutmeg doesn't work either. That's the joke. None of it works. <laughs> so it's just like a, it's like a, um, a urban legend or what? I don't know. Maybe if you eat enough nutmeg. I don't know, man. It's from the delirium oh. family. <laughs> Hence yeah, the high. Hence the high. It's about like drinking bottles of cough syrup to get a buzz. How ridiculous, you know? I mean. Robo trip. Oh God, who does that kind of? Oh, that's what that's what that's what you get when uh, you don't have a safer alternative. Yeah, when you try and tell kids that smoking. Yeah, and and we're not we're not for kids being smoking a whole bunch of weed and everything. It's just it, it should be an alternative. People should consider it instead of having your kid overdose on on paint or on you know, or you know like I don't know. I just know that yeah. when I was in high school, kids were doing all those kind of drugs, huffing paint. One kid I, one kid I knew oh. was huffing paint and then shot himself and mm-hmm. and you know they down entire bottles of robitussin and try and take right. tons of dramamine and you know all sorts of weird stuff because I don't know. I don't know why it is that I guess kids just are experimenting, but this was back in, you know, the Midwest where I experienced this kind of behavior and there weren't really many drugs around for kids to be taking. So they've tried to experiment with nutmeg and banana peels. I mean, I smoked banana peels when I couldn't find any weed. That was when we finally (laughs) stooped that low. Like you like were supposed to like bake them up or something. Yeah, You cut the, cut the insides out and let them dry on a, uh, don't try this dude, it doesn't work either <laughs> yeah. it doesn't work i mean like I, I don't know we could like maybe for some flavoring you could throw some banana like some dehydrated oh, banana gosh. yeah no or not yeah. Pe- yeah, the bottom line skins. is kids are smarter than we give credit for and they're gonna try to experiment and figure things out on their own if we don't disseminate honest information to them like nutmeg will get you really high man and your mom yeah. You can buy as much of it as you want. No one will ever think anything. Th- three to four tea sp- two, uh, tablespoon, uh, tablespoons full, and that'll, that'll, they'll do the trick. We've got some more comic relief, too. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> we, 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 pot brownie crap, we, right? we maybe, yeah, we maybe should have connected this to our discussion we earlier. Sh- we could have. We could have <laughs> just rolled it later. Or, uh, yeah, so we, we've been talking about eating pot food for a long time, and 
Uh, it scares the crap out of people the first time they get way too high on it. The thing about pot food is you always want to start with the lowest possible dose. You want to work your way up with any new pot food to finding what the like comfortable level is for you. And sometimes that means that you don't really, you know, feel a buzz from it. It's, it's, you're trying to learn what that right, like titration is for you. And a lot of people go overboard too fast on it and then they get really high. So they get really paranoid and then their heart starts palpitating and they feel like they're having a heart attack, but they're not, they just have high (laughs) blood pressure and need to just relax. There's no way to fatally overdose from marijuana. The only way you could overdose from marijuana would be to inhale so much of it that you died from carbon monoxide poisoning. And it's like the equivalent to having to inhale like 700 joints or something like that. And like one hit. So, um, there's, there's currently, we've not ever found any evidence that anyone's died from marijuana. So, uh, if you're listening, you know, just keep that in mind, but here's a good clip that shows uh, uh, what happens when people get too high. It, it, it's it's dubbed the dumbest cop ever, but uh-huh. I think I would give him a, a little bit of benefit. I mean, that's arguable anyway, but uh, I think he's, he certainly was, at least during this time. This happened uh, three, a few years back, but uh, at least this time he was definitely the most embarrassed cop ever. Well, you, can, the, you, the listener, can be the judge of how dumb this guy is. A councilman from Dearborn, Michigan, is outraged over a 911 call. He wants to know why no charges have been filed against a police officer who admits to confiscating marijuana from suspects and then baking it in brownies. And once he and his wife were full and high, they thought they'd overdosed and called 911. I think I'm having an overdose of so my wife. Overdose of what? Marijuana. I don't know if it had something in it. Can you please send rescue? Did you guys have fever or anything? No, I'm just... I think we're dying. Okay, how much did you guys have? I, I don't know. We made brownies, and I think we're dead. Time <laughs> is going by really, 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 really slow. <laughs> <laughs> well, instead of being charged, Prilla. <laughs> Sorry. Did they instead snort? of being charged, the police department let the officer resign. His wife was not charged either. So far, police officials have not commented. <laughs> they couldn't even keep their own shit together. <laughs> they, they snorted. Someone snorted yeah, in the newsroom. Yeah, that was one of the newscasts. <laughs> that wasn't you, Jamie? That was someone on the clip. No, huh? and after this, they went on to the next. They segmented their next story, and the guy was cracking up and making connections to this story. And after that story was done, they all started laughing uncontrollably again. For good reason. I mean, it's just, it's just ludicrous. I think we're dead, he said. We're dead. It's gone. It's over. I think we're dying. We're dead. Time is moving really, really, really slow. <laughs> it's really trippy, man. Oh, that's classic. We should we should point out that's a that's not a current event that happened a couple of years back. Oh, yeah. did it? Uh-huh. Uh, well, there's actually there's a longer clip of that call. Maybe we'll find it and play it on a future program. It's it's yeah. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Additionally, I wanted to add to this uh that 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 it is kind of uh, uh, sadly, there's many police officers that are still naive to the truths about cannabis, as we were saying earlier in this show, and uh, that is a huge part of the problem. So uh, you know, but still, you got to laugh. You know, the news crew was busting up, and that how ridiculous. Ouch! And was he he was just an officer, or was he a? Yeah, from what I understand, I remember when this came out, and I did a little research for, uh, uh, behind what had actually occurred, and I understand that he took this uh, cannabis from the. Um, what do you call that? The evidence 
locker at his, and the police force. So it was a double whammy for him. So he got really lucky, actually, that they let him resign and lose his job because he was up for, I mean, first he stole from, that's a felony right there. And then he used cannabis. So I don't exactly recall where this happened, but that might have been a pretty harsh. The using uh, of the cannabis was the worst part is that he was ignorant how to use it and that he was uh, stealing it. You know, that's the, like, yeah. dude, come on. That's why he's a dumb cop. Yep. So realize what you're doing, and the number one thing, just remember these four letters, wait, wait, don't forget that. If you forget anything else that we're telling you about eating cannabis, just remember, wait. If you don't feel anything, wait. You'll feel a little inkling of something at least, and then you'll know. You know, Dude, sometimes it takes hours for it to kick in on me. I don't know. A lot of the time when I eat yeah. cannabis, if I eat it too late in the evening, I never even feel it until I'm asleep. And then it's like, whoa, whoa. hey, what's going on? Mm-hmm. How you doing, Mary? Oh, good. Super. Yeah. Super Technicolor dreams, then, huh? Yeah, really, really weird. And I think you're going to talk about some PTSD stuff in a, in a later here, you know, later in the show. But yep. apparently, yeah. like eating pot is really good for PTSD because uh, what it does is it um, it doesn't allow you to get deep into your REM stage of sleep. So um, when you have PTSD, one of the major um, you know, things that happens to you is you have bad nightmares and terrors while you're sleeping and stuff. But if you eat pot food, apparently it doesn't allow you to get into that deep uh, stage of sleep that requ- where you can have those dreams. So it kind of diminishes those dreams, yet you still feel like you're rested because you are getting through an, a deep enough stage of the sleep to actually get rest. So it's interesting. One of those things that we would, you know, kind of hopefully get to study someday in the future. So. Hopefully. But we've been studying Montana, the mayhem of Montana, the frontier. More Montana mayhem. Yeah, yeah, the the medical marijuana pioneering going on up there. It's a crazy world. You've got an update on the story we covered last week, right? We do. Montana Caregivers Network shuts down the cannabis caravans. We talked before about these cannabis caravans, the rolling uh, cannabis uh, approval offices, uh, medical offices that uh, kind of roll on in and handle about 1,600 people in a, flink of, a blink of an eye and roll on out. And, uh, they said no more. Um, this one by Matt Volts of the Associated Press. A Montana advocacy group is shutting down its traveling medical marijuana quit, critic, uh, clinics I'm sorry, amid criticism that the so-called cannabis caravans have added thousands of people to the state registry without conducting thorough patient screenings. The Montana Caregivers Network has hosted the one-day clinics in hotels and conference centers across Montana for more than a year. For a $150 fee, the group brought together those seeking to become medical marijuana patients with doctors willing to prescribe pot. Starting next week, the group will forego the clinics and instead team up with medical marijuana distributors called Caregivers in Montana to provide regular doctor's office hours in Billings, Bozeman, and Helena. And addition to the group's base in Missoula. It's been changed partially because of the criticism of the traveling clinics. Also, from the business end, it's no longer sustainable, group spokesman Chris Amison said. The traveling clinics no longer allow us to serve our patients the best we can. The clinics were a major factor in Montana's medical marijuana patient registry, jumping from 842 people at the end of 2008 to just about 20,000 at the end of June. This just past June. Uh, The clinics have also helped the Montana Caregivers Network make more than $1 million in the past year, according to founder Jason Christ. The clinics often had lines stretching out the door with hopefuls waiting hours for the chance to see a doctor for recommendation. But over the past few months, the clinics have come under criticism as being assembly lines that see hundreds of people at a time, but at the expense of proper medical examinations. 
So they've had enough. I guess they've uh, put into play and not going to let that roll anymore. Well, didn't, didn't I thought you sounds like you said that they it was complained about and then the group that was doing it shut it down. Is that right? Yeah. Well, the story is uh, it said that the the Montana Caregivers Network has hosted the one day clinics before. So they were part of 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 making getting these making these clinics work and setting up the arrangements to have those things uh, happen at various uh, I believe it says hotels and conference centers across Montana. But then uh, afterwards, now they're starting to uh, help them make the arrangements, the necessary shift into uh, permanent buildings where they can they can do more extensive exams, more I guess complete examinations. So they're actually helping them just uh, kind of correct how they how they performed the the exams it was actually the uh, board i believe the legislative committee um in montana i don't know who was responsible for that the board of medical examiners um of um montana the state of montana I see. A, I've got a story here further about uh, Jason Chris, the founder of Montana Caregivers Network. He's uh, been seeking a business license for his house in Missoula County um, mm-hmm. to operate a uh, medical marijuana business. But he is in within he's within a thousand feet of a school. They're calling him. So these are the yeah. so-called no-fly zones in uh, Missoula County, uh, Montana. They've drew out a map and uh, put like circles. Within within a thousand square feet radius of uh, schools, and apparently it covers uh, two thousand nine hundred and seventy two acres of Missoula's roughly eighteen thousand acres, which is about seventeen percent of the city proper. You cannot uh, have a medical marijuana business in there, and um, it uh, they're basing it. This policy is grounded in existing state law that criminalizes the distribution of dangerous drugs on or near school property in which carries a minimum sentence of three years in prison. According to uh, to this guy, Nugent, I don't even know who he is, Jim Nugent, city attorney from Missoula, he, um, he says that uh, the statute is not tempered by Mont- Montana's medical marijuana law, which was enacted in 2004. He says, quote, the Medical Marijuana Act did not repeal this law. It's a peril that people need to be aware of because the penalty is harsh. I've been telling people that they don't want to violate this, and I did ask OPG to put together a map illustrating this 1,000-foot radius around Missoula's secondary and elementary schools. Mm-hmm. Um, so far, out of the 565 registered caregivers in Missoula County, the only one that has been affected is Jason Christ, and he is the founder of Montana mm-hmm. Caregivers Network, and he is mm-hmm. still fighting to try and get to start his business within a thousand feet of a school. Okay. So uh, here's, we get back to this distance thing within schools again, how much tobacco is being yeah. sold around those schools? How much booze, how much sugar, how much caffeine, how much fatty yeah. foods? Is there a McDonald's across the street? Why don't they get regulated like that? Why don't we just keep, let's just make utopia within a thousand feet of schools. Let's do yeah. that. <laughs> there you go. You know, I mean, if we're going the distance, go the whole fucking distance, man. Like, you know, like get rid of all the crap for the kids. You know, they shouldn't be exposed to anything that's real or bad in the world. Or even like, and in this case, maybe not even so bad. Like they treat it like it's, here's what they they said. Any, what did it say? Any dangerous drugs, distribution of any dangerous drugs. Well, how dangerous is pot really? I mean, that's the big question here, right? They're just trying to mm-hmm. 
still be like, oh, it's legal, but we have, you know, all these justified reasons to regulate it because it's bad. We don't want it near our children. It's the children thing again going on. And I, uh, mm. I don't know. I'm just, uh, it's not that I think that we should be putting dispensaries in right across the street from, from schools or anything like that. I just don't see why we treat it differently than other businesses and how come they're not regulated the same way. Um, so once again, another guy trying to get, you know, trying to get his business started and having issues with uh, zoning laws and being within a thousand feet. They're talking about a three year mandatory or minimum sentence for, for being, for, for doing, uh, for starting a business. Really? Yeah. That's what this guy's the, the oh city gosh. attorney's talking about. So if this guy starts it, he's like pushing the limit, you know, he's pushing a real, uh, jail time for that. So, um, I don't think he's started his business. He's openly applying for it and kind of like lobbying for it as an issue. But, uh, yeah. Gee, that's not irrational or draconian at all, is it? Um, well, and that's the thing. I mean, like if you, so how much does it cost the taxpayers to put somebody in jail for three years? Um, $90,000, $100,000 a year or not for total. three years. Yeah. $30,000 a year or so. Right. More than, more than they make maybe, which in, you know, Montana, it's crazy, but. Is he um, a patient also? He, uh, I, I would imagine he's a patient. Um, he's going to need some kind of meds while he's in there. Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. Montana is a crazy place. I got another story. One more story from Montana court cases indicate black market pot being supplied to Montana medical marijuana dispensary. This is in Missoula as well. Uh, This is from the Billings Gazette. Um, The exploding number of Montana's medical marijuana dispensaries has become the subject of heated debate. Two recent federal court cases in Missoula revealing additional problems with dispensaries legitimacy. Although legally designated caregivers are um, supposed to grow their own marijuana for qualified patients, authorities say that some providers, to meet demand, are purchasing black market pot from out of state and fueling the drug trade. All, um, quote, all that I can really tell you is, is that it's happening every single day. Marijuana is being brought to Montana from out, of state to, to, um, from out of state to supply caregivers in their dispensaries, said Andrew Paul, a deputy Missoula County attorney who specializes in drug offenses. Paul could not discuss the details of any ongoing investigations, but said intelligence reports by agents at Montana's high-intensity drug trafficking area task force indicate there are multiple dispensaries in Missoula acquiring marijuana from out of the state. The business of medical marijuana has ballooned since last October when the federal government said it would defer state law regarding the use, possession, cultivation, and transport of the drug. The announcement opened the floodgates for registered caregivers to treat patients on a large scale with minimal concern for police interference and some local enterprises have since reported a 20 to 30 percent monthly increase the influx of storefront storefront dispensaries has also made it easier for montanans to qualify for a medical marijuana card with some caregivers sponsoring clinics where out-of-state doctors sign off after a brief explanation or examination Um, according to third to authorities the trend is creating a broader market for drug dealers because designated growers can't keep up with the demand, illegal marijuana is being diverted into the hands of caregivers. Quote, I am certain that many local dispensaries do not grow enough medical marijuana to support their sales, so it seems that drug dealers have prospered from the sale of this medicine, Paul said. Paul said, none of the dispensaries that investigators have identified as having received marijuana illegally have been shut down in Missoula County. Quote, It's a difficult case to prove since they're allowed to acquire and possess a certain amount of marijuana, Paul said. 
However, federal charges were filed against Richard Biggs, 31, who was arrested last month while returning from a four-day trip to Humboldt County, California, sometimes called the Emerald Triangle because of its reputation as a center for marijuana cultivation and distribution. Officers who searched the Missoula man's Chevy Avalanche found vacuum-sealed plastic bags containing about 74 pounds of marijuana and $39,500 in $100 bills. Quote, the investigation has revealed evidence that the various strains of marijuana match up with the strains of marijuana available from several local medical marijuana dispensaries in the Missoula area, according to charges filed in the Missoula District um, Court, where the case was initially charged. It's believed that several local dispensaries have been supplied with marijuana by Biggs through his black market deals originating in, in Northern California. The authorities also recovered nine more pounds at his house. Biggs has not reported income since 2007. He's um, when he was discharged from a federal uh, probation on a different drug charge. And um, apparently he flew every month between Missoula and Las Vegas since July of 2008. Um, in a separate case, Andrew Burrington recently pleaded guilty in the U.S. District Court in, Missouri, in Missoula. Prosecutors charged him with bringing large amounts of marijuana from out of state and providing pound quantities um, to at least one local dispensary. Um, and then they start getting it. Okay, so that's as far as I'm going to go with this. They start getting into 9.08% of Montanans on probation or parole have medical marijuana cards. And they're, it's basically, they're, you know, they're, talk, they're talking about something for real. Is, is you know, can Montana provide all of their own medical marijuana or you know how much are they importing surely they're importing quite a bit i ate some washington cherries the other day that were delicious wow <laughs> they yeah. were from washington from washington no way dude some 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 fruit dealers brought smuggled them over the border were they sophisticated <laughs> <laughs> yeah they were running a sophisticated fruit Highly dealing operation <laughs> fruit dealers no way from but why why on earth would it be okay for us to 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 take cherries from washington because they're delicious but uh, so what i mean everything needs to be local don't you look around look 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 at your pants look at your Look at everything. It's all from, oh, China. Huh. Well, at least yeah. our pot's not coming from China. It, I mean, oh my gosh. With, you know, like what's going on there? So, okay, these drug dealers, wait a minute. Okay, back up. Calling people drug dealers because they're involved in the marijuana trade. Well, is that really reasonable? I guess you can, but like, I don't I know. That. Yeah, that's what I, they're business people, right? Or, pioneers you think montana would be down with that shit it's going on right yeah they should grow their own consumers instead they're fighting it they're they're not they're not going hey wait a minute we're we're having to import all this stuff um maybe we should uh up our uh grow operations here and collect the money or let's or let's arrest this guy (laughs) they, (laughs) they, they go to yeah they go to they go to the oh man, this guy with his seventy four pounds, <laughs> dude. They're gonna throw his ass in jail for so long. That's really sucks for this guy. Really yeah. sucks. Yeah, it sucks in general. I, tell I you. mean, he should have been paying his taxes. It's and it sounds you know who knows what's going on, but um, man, dude, I just uh, I don't know. They they it's like they're surprised that that you know marijuana is coming from other areas. They're a brand new mar- marijuana state. They can't even come close to producing all yeah. the weed. Their, they, their supply can't keep up with their demand by any means. I mean, I don't even think Colorado can keep up with their own demand yet. I'm pretty sure. I mean, California obviously can't. 
by far, but um, I think Colorado's probably getting closer to being able to, but still probably not not yet, there yet. And there's no way Montana's there yet, you know. And um, mm-hmm. this is where it's like, what's going on is the state of Montana is starting to prosecute these people and push them through the federal courts instead of just dealing with them mm-hmm. at a state level. Like, oh, you were busted here with seventy four pounds. You'll deal with this on a state level. No, we're going to put you in federal court. That's what that's what they're going for. They're like really trying to dig and prove that there's been, you know, um, interstate commerce and stuff. They're basically trying to enforce federal law. What it seems like to me anyway. So, mm-hmm. you know, bummer. More of that Montana, Montana mayhem. We just briefly just uh, brought up that Rocky Mountain High, Colorado news. What's going on in, uh, in Colorado, mm-hmm. dude? Well, this is on this on a somewhat positive note, at least uh, potentially. So, a post-traumatic stress disorder petition was submitted to the CDPHE. It's a little wordy. I'll tell you who those people are. Medical marijuana. This is from the Sensible Colorado um, uh, website, by the way. I should probably preface this story with mentioning these guys. They're 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 superlative, uh, very um, um, active and very effective allies um, for in, to anybody that uh, cares about cannabis policy reform or uh, is a cannabis consumer or medical um, cannabis patient, for sure check out their site at uh, sensiblecolorado.org. Um, they've helped to bring this, uh, spearhead this effort along with a, uh, a retired Army sergeant. Medical, it says uh, from their website, it says, medical marijuana may soon be a viable medical option for veterans and others who suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder, known as PTSD uh, in Colorado. Thanks to the courageous efforts of veterans and supporters from across the state, Sensible Colorado, and retired Army Sergeant Kevin Grimsinger, uh, they submitted an official petition to the Colorado Department of Public Health and Environment asking them to add PTSD to the list of qualifying medical marijuana conditions. Now, uh, Army Sergeant Kevin Grimsinger actually handed these petitions to them, and I think it was more than just symbolic. Um, Sergeant Grimsinger has lost, I believe, both his legs in uh, wartime activity. So anybody that, um, you know, has potential for some PTSD situation, you know, that I think uh, that guy is definitely um, deserving of this. And I'm not the only one that says that. Amidst this story, there's also a quote there from a doctor. Sally. And listen, it's spelled S-A-T-E-L. I guess that's Satel. Uh, I apologize, Doc, if I said your name wrong, but uh, she's a psychiatrist and an expert on PTSD. And she's quoted on their website as saying, I can't imagine anyone more worthy of public largesse than a veteran. And I couldn't agree with her more. So good job. Uh, kudos going out to Sensible Colorado. We're appreciating all their good work. And uh, we'll keep an eye, uh, an eye on what's happening with this and how this develops. Hopefully, uh, I can't imagine even I don't know, maybe especially in an election year that they would deny the veterans this this possible benefit. And you know what did, did you guys I don't know if you ever heard of this. Um, what was it called? The Fallen Company or I don't know what it is, but it's a front line. There's a front line special. And, and you can probably Google. I don't know what it would be. Colorado and front line special and army. And, and it'll come up. But it's, a, it's like an hour and 25-minute special show about several individuals that were recruited in Colorado that went off to Iraq and came back um, much worse for the rare, 
for the wear. And uh, several of them, and these were great people, I mean, several of them are up against life sentences for crimes they've committed since they've come back. Uh, many of them, it's a really, it's a really touching story that, to watch. But I, I think uh, relevant to the point we're speaking about here, um, they do mention, several of them mention that PTSD is an incredibly huge problem for them. And, uh, and additionally, in, in Iraq, the, the, the way that the Army does this, and, and cu- coupled with the culture, the, the military culture and the way that you're, you're expected to be ready to go and uh, not be complaining about having a boo-boo on your hand or, you know, whatever happens. You know, some of these guys get shot and they're still going. They have to let people, you know, talk them down and, and take care and give them medical care because they're, they're geared for action. And when, you get, when it comes time to get out and come back, they ask you, do you have P- PTSD? Well, there's two big problems that, that are posed by this, the way they do this. First of all is that culture. They don't want to say, yes, I have mental problems because there's that stigma, unfortunately, that's attached to that. And, and the other primary thing is that if they say yes, then they're in country. They stay in country for months to go through this PTSD treatment. So hopefully the Army, the military has been working on some, some corrections to the way they do these things because can you imagine going over to Iraq, especially if you're somebody that wanted to get college benefits to join the military and then all of a sudden you end up in this like just horrifying war situation and then you at the end of it, you know, they say, well, you can get some help for this, but you have to stay here even longer. That is you know, so only- bizarre. Yeah, yeah, it's bogus. So there's a lot of individuals that are, you know, and this affects all of society. I mean, we're, we're, we're ultimately concerned for these individuals. But if they're off center or they're having problems for P- PTSD that makes them extremely volatile, highly trained, mind you, and uh, you know, potentially very dangerous, then that's a, that's a threat to our society. And we want to support these guys and ladies as well. And, uh, you know, this, so this is, this is serious. Uh, this is a very serious issue that sensible Colorado is helping to address out there. Jeez. I don't even know mm-hmm. what to say about all that. Yeah. I, uh, heavy stuff. That's super heavy for sure. But, uh, there's, uh, there's more stuff going on in Colorado. It's um, always heavy more, in Colorado. It seems like it is heavy, but you know, what? like you said earlier, we love Colorado. They're jamming. They're rocking this whole, uh, cannabis law thing. They're fighting with it. You know, of course they're getting the, 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 um, what do you call that? The the thrashbacks, the re the re the rebound of their laws and the the just the rapid pace that their their laws have changed. They're getting the kind of the backlash. That's what I was looking for. Glad I came up with that. Uh, the, they're they're feeling the backlash of some of those things. And you know, Governor Ritter signed these bills into law, and it's just they're 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 hanging in there. And we got faith in Colorado. Keep up the the fight out there. I think that's uh, one of the places I would love to go at least visit a lot more extensively. Me too. But, uh, me too. There's some uh, kind of creepy stuff going on. Check this out. Cops go undercover to enforce medical marijuana legis- regulations. Medical cannabis uh, patients, potential patients, patient wannabes in Colorado. Pay, uh, pay heed to this. This is important, important information. Future medical marijuana users will have more hoops to jump through before being licensed for use. Uh, Governor Bill Ritter recently signed two bills to regulate the industry in Colorado. This also comes as cops in Aurora crack down on doc- on a doctor for allegedly giving out medical licenses too easily. Um, cops say that Dr. Manuel Aguino Villaman did not give physical exams before approving medical marijuana recommendations to the undercover agents. So getting a recommend uh, recommendation was an easy feat several months ago. 
Um, Channel 11 News did a hidden camera investigation last November. An undercover photojournalist received his license without showing any medical records. And it, it, his only lasted a few minutes, his exam. And so, so be, be aware, they're, they're beginning to send undercover officers into these clinics to try to see how easy and how hands-off these approvals are. And I believe we have a clip to supplement Secret this. Secret shoppers. Well, future medical marijuana users will have more hoops to go through before being licensed for use. That's because of two bills Governor Ritter signed to regulate the industry here in Colorado. This also comes as cops in Aurora cracked down on a doctor. Manuel Aquino Villaman allegedly gave out medical marijuana licenses too easily. 11 News reporter Rick Montanez is live in Colorado Springs tonight. And Rick, cops say this doctor did not give physical exams before approving medical marijuana use. That's what they allege, Mackenzie. But I talked to the owners of this dispensary, Mountain Made Meds, who say, fine, enforce the rules, but don't make medical marijuana impossible to get. Cops go undercover to get MedPot licenses, an easy feat several months ago. This is video from an 11 News hidden camera investigation you saw last November. Our photographer received his license without showing any medical records. His exam, just a few minutes long. Which is reportedly how long Aquino Villaman met with the undercover officers before giving them recommendations. It's going to sting for sure. Patrick Warren has co-owned Mountain Made Meds in Colorado Springs for a few months now. He tells me, with new regulations, getting a license won't be as easy. You're not just going to walk in and, and get a medical marijuana license. You know, you have to have legitimate paperwork and, and a legitimate illness. A new law brings more thorough paperwork and requires at least one physical exam by a doctor. It shouldn't be an issue if, if you really are in need of, of the medicine. Warren thinks the arrest of Dr. Aquino Villaman is just a way for cops to show they mean business when it comes to regulation. But for those who follow the rules, it shows a need. It's just going to solidify that people that are using this medication do really need it and do truly benefit from it. Whether it's a need or an abuse of the system, soon access to MedPot will be more work. And allegations against Dr. Aquino Villaman aren't cops and state lawmakers' only worry tonight. A loophole at the state level is giving MedPot applicants access to dispensaries all across the state, including this one here in Colorado Springs, before they're even approved. And, Mackenzie, that's because a backlog of thousands of MedPot applications are sitting at the state health department right now waiting for approval. And those applicants are basically given the go-ahead to use medical marijuana before, until they're either given approval or denied access. All right, Rick Montanez live for us tonight in Colorado Springs. Thanks so much. Now, Dr. Aquino Villaman is free on $6,000 bail and faces charges of attempting to influence a public servant and conspiracy to distribute marijuana. Apologies to our listener for the audio quality there. It's a little hard to listen to. Mm -hmm. Slightly painful, but I think they got interesting the point. story though, for sure. Definitely interesting. That's um, that's them trying to close the loophole, man. You know, that's what they want. Uh, this, uh, apparently, call. I've heard a lot of people complaining. I heard them complaining on marijuana radio one time about how long it takes them because in Colorado, the way that it works is you get your doctor's recommendation, and then you have to fill out some paperwork and send it into the state, and then they they approve of it and send you back a state card. And then you're allowed to go into dispensaries. That's the way that it works. But lately, they've just been letting anyone in because they've backlogged so many of those uh, 
you know, recommendations and haven't re- basically replied to the request for the cards. Um, but now they're just trying to close. It sounds like they're sending in the cops uh, for this is their new tactic to get at the doctors and force the doctors to, um, you know, be more strict on who they give uh, medical marijuana to, or at least maybe not more strict on who they give it to them, who they give it to, but how they give it to them, you know, um, actually see patients uh, have request their, um, you know, medical records, et cetera, et cetera. That sounds what they're sort of moving into there. And I'm, I'm not, this, uh, just begs the question of, um, do you as a state and a, a, you know, kind of when, when you have a medical pot law, are you giving it the thumbs up to, to be a loophole for, for recreational use too, or not? You know, that's kind of the issue, right? Isn't that what's going on there? Yeah, I think it is. I don't know. I don't know how this is going to play out. This is uh, this is the time, this is the period in the development of their laws in the state where it really comes down to the nuts and bolts and people start really fighting about what's, well, hopefully discussing or arguing about uh, what's relevant and what's important. I think they made the most important uh point of the whole issue is look we understand if you need to if, if you want to co- close these loopholes but please make sure the primary concern here is that you don't make it nearly impossible for people to get this medicine or it eliminates the whole purpose of this bill in the first place yeah i mean and and then you have to determine i mean and the, uh, what are they going to do go one by one every medical issue and determine which ones are legitimate for pot use and which ones aren't how do they even how do yeah, they even I know at uh, this point you know Yep, I don't know how they're going to work this out, man. It's a uh, it's kind of a crazy state of affairs going on out there in Colorado, but you know they're working through it. Um, it's crazy. You, you, have, you, th- you have cops that are trying to bust up on it, and then you have uh, mm-hmm. politicians that are trying to cash in on it, basically. So it's back back and right. forth, you know, constantly. That's how it has been in California as well, you know. So yeah, yeah, and you always got to keep in mind that this is a this is kind of a war wartime. Uh, they look at this as a war. It's the it's part of the war on drugs, and it's not just called that. I mean, they literally worry about about psychop, psyops, and they worry about uh you know their the way their tactical units work and all these tactical raids that are happening with SWAT teams. This is all this is all from a a, a military minded you know war mentality. So, you know, it's important to be aware of this and anticipate, you know, a few steps ahead of what's likely to happen as a, as a direct consequence or, you know, subsequent response to the various actions that we take, you know, and it's inevitable. I knew it years ago. I said, man, they're, they're definitely going to send people in there that are not legitimate patients to, to gauge, you know, how uh, thorough these these doctors are, and I'm, they're going to bring issue with it. And I'm just so surprised that they haven't done it until until recently. But uh, yeah, yep, it's all about people having access, you yeah. know. And I don't know. It's, the, uh, I was talking with a guy the other day that finally put it pretty pretty frankly to me. He's uh, you know mm-hmm. on the other other side of the coin. You know, it's it's a war coming from them, from the government, from the police. Right. But uh, it feels like a war to a lot of people that are involved in the industry too, regardless of where they're involved. Even in California, I've talked with people that, that just are tired of it, man. It's a long fight. It's kind of a, it's equivalent to a civil rights movement. It's just, you just got to keep plugging away at it. And I was talking with this guy last week and he just said, frankly, he said, I went out of this. I don't want to do this forever. Mm -hmm. He said, and he sounded really tired, actually, and he looked tired, and he said, I'm fucking sick of being in the middle of a political war. And that was it. 
you know, and um, and that's kind of you know that's what's going on. It's a political war. They get, we we gain an inch, and man, they try to take it back immediately. You know, they they don't want they don't want us to make any ground. Any ground we make, they're trying to they're trying to fight back. They just don't want to accept the change that's occurring right in front of their face. And no matter what they do, they can't stop it. But they're going to try right. their hardest, you know, and that's uh, that's where we're at. Yep, yep. We're at. That's just uh, kind of underlines the importance of of how how desperately really important it is that we fight these uh, laws and repeal these these ridiculous uh, rules and regulations uh, on both fronts um, simultaneously on the medical uh, front and on the hedonistic or recreational front as well. You know, to protect all people. Yep. Yeah, well, here's a city councilman in Denver, story about a city councilman in Denver who's trying to protect all people by taxing pot more. He uh, mm-hmm. wants to, um, already pot's being taxed 7.72% in the city of Denver, and he wants to add an additional um, a ta- additional tax on top of that, and he wants to use it towards programs for youth to keep youth out of trouble. Uh, we got a clip um, from uh, CBS4 Denver. A Denver City Councilman has come up with a plan to raise more than $42 million over 10 years. He wants to add a new tax on medical marijuana. That money would be used to fund youth programs. CBS 4's Howard Nathan joins us live in Denver tonight. And Howard, at least one dispensary is not too happy to hear about this possible new tax. And Tom, this dispensary is sounding like any business concerned about taxes. Yes, they say they're concerned about their patients, but yes, they're also concerned about profit margin. Remember now, Denver charges $5,000 for the license to open up one of these dispensaries. And then in August, the state will add thousands more for a license to operate. And yes, one Denver city councilman says what is served here could also help kids. Medical marijuana, a solution for ending chronic pain, may be used to prevent juvenile delinquency. We're going to focus a lot of our services on 8th and ninth graders to make sure that kids make it through the ninth grade, stay out of trouble, and make it on through school and be successful. Denver Councilman Doug Linkhart wants an additional 6% tax on medical marijuana sales. He says the tax will raise more than $4 million annually and pay for youth programs to keep kids out of trouble. And in doing so, he believes it'll save governmental money by keeping kids out of jail. We won't have as many kids involved in crime and health problems and drug abuse and other kinds of issues. But if Denver wants a piece of the medical marijuana pie, you'd think those who've been fighting to serve marijuana patients would object to making it pricier, right? Wrong. With taxation comes legitimacy, in my opinion. Medical marijuana attorney Rob Corey argues if government makes money on marijuana, then legalizing recreational marijuana is one step closer to reality. Prohibition of alcohol was an utterly failed policy. Prohibition of marijuana is similarly a failed policy. We need to get past this. We need to tax and regulate marijuana. But wait a minute. Isn't the medical marijuana industry giving their legal champion grief for supporting a tax that may cut into profits? Yes, but a deal's been made. With Linkhart's proposal, there will be processes in place for indigent patients to not have to pay that tax. All right, so a medical marijuana patient leaving this dispensary told me that if that 6% sales tax becomes reality, some people will go back to growing their own. As for Councilman Doug Linkhart's proposal, he has until August 16th to get the support of the council before the issue could be taken to the Denver voters in November. 
Tom, we'll send it right back to you. I think we'll be hearing a lot more about this proposal in the next few weeks. Thank you, Howard. Appreciate it. And tonight we asked CBS. See, uh, here we go again. More, more taxes. You know, what's the? Mm-hmm. How much? How much is too much? When do we draw the line with how much? I mean, how? This is this is the problem with these proposed taxes. Why? Where's it stop? Where? Why is it justified? It's justified because spend the money on kids and making sure they're not involved in crime and health problems and drug abuse and other issues. Well, why is that marijuana's issue? Why do we, why do we have to pay for that? I mean, mm-hmm. why haven't they been paying for that before with other, through other programs or spending on that through other what means? Why, how come we have to pay for that? Where, what have we done to deserve that? All we've done is, is dealt with prohibition forever now and been, you know, thrown in jail and, and, uh, forced inside of our homes to hide and be paranoid about our, our, our cannabis use. I, I just don't know if it's justified to, I mean, it, it may be, you know what I mean? I'm not definitely saying that I'm not saying for sure 13, 14% tax is, is, is definitely too much, but I'm saying there's a possibility that it is too much. And how do we determine what's too much as far as being taxed on cannabis goes, you know? And again, the association they make with youth just bothers me. They're like, well, since pot's bad for kids, we're going to take money from it and we're going to make programs that'll make kids healthier and safer and less likely to be addicted to drugs. It's like just this false attachment that they make of the issues, you know. Um, I agree. Taxing it does legitimize it more, but how much is too much? And come on with the whole children thing, the fear tactic right. of the kids. I'm just, the, just getting burned on the it. The children dude. card. Yeah, I think most people are. By the way, that was an excellent... Uh, Big fat authority figure arsehole uh, impersonation. I appreciated that one. You like that one, huh? He's actually a politician, well. so I guess I shouldn't have pulled out the cop voice on him. But I don't know. I'm just I, all I hear is tax, 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 money, money, money. It's like yeah. chill out. Like give us some. Let us let this work out a little bit. Relax. Do some studies. See right. how much you should be taxing. What's justified? I mean, it's just that assumption. They just assume yeah. that it's going to be as bad as tobacco and alcohol. And that they're justified in taxing us as much as they want to. And I don't agree. So I do not agree either. And I think there's good uh, basis, scientific basis for that. Oh, that, yeah. Uh, you know, point of view. Definitely. Definitely. We got some, uh, we're going to move on to the Midwest now. Um, some Midwest melee and glimmers of hope. Your news from the Midwest. I've got a story. It's a celeb, uh, celeb stoner story um, about oh, Dimitri no. Young. Yes. Uh, you know. Athletes are busted doing with pot all over the place. Um, More athletes got busted. Yep. On uh, July 5th, um, Dimitri Young, former Major League Baseball player, um, was arrested for marijuana and paraphernalia, uh, paraphernalia possession at the Central Illinois Regional Airport in Bloomington, Illinois. Oh, uh, my goodness. Bloomington. He's my uh, backyard. Yeah, totally. He's a former two time baseball all star. And he claims he was using the cannabis for diabetes and, quote, all these old aches and pains, unquote. Um, So he was going through the airport, and this is what he says happened. Uh, He says he had it in his check-in bag, and they noticed something about it. And he was in and out in about an hour, and he uh, got out of it with a $100 fine, or got out, you know, $100 bond. And um, without getting into the legalities, uh, because they're still pending, he says he's got a medical condition. And, of course, uh, being diabetic and having all these old aches and pains are why he uses cannabis. He's been to rehab before. Um, and another story talks about how during rehab he had experience with opiates. He does not want to use opiates. 
So he is using cannabis and, um, that's, that's where he's at. And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, this is just, uh, it's an interesting issue because athletes, um, inevitably hurt themselves often and more and they end up, they end up having surgeries and, um, sure. uh, once they get older, they have a lot of aches and pains. Um, and I was an all-star, wasn't he in the major leagues twice? Yeah. He played in the major oh. leagues for, from 96 to 2008. Uh, he had a 292 lifetime batting average. That's pretty good, man. For uh, 12 years playing mm-hmm. in the major leagues, he played with the Cardinals, the Reds, the Tigers and the nationals. Um, yeah, so you know, I don't know. I just, I, I mean, it's not going to be the biggest, de- biggest deal to him, no matter how much money it costs him. He's probably fairly well off financially, but um, you know, I, I hope he continues to. If he thinks cannabis is what he should be using for his uh, aches and pains, he should continue mm-hmm. using it. You know, he should just maybe stand uh, up for that. Yeah, he should just maybe be more careful with where he resides or where he travels or whatnot and how he travels. You know, but um, you know, hopefully. Hopefully he uh, he makes it through this all right. I'm sure he will. Won't be any big deal to him. But um, right. you know, this is just more of uh, the hypocrisy. You know, I mean, what's major league? I mean, you know, he's really happy though. He's working currently for the Frontier League, which I believe is an independent league up there in the Midwest. And he says they've been supporting him can uh, fully through this process and aren't you know are, are going to support him through the whole thing and he's going to get to keep his job with them and everything. So. Um, He's got a lot of support. Uh, it's just, you know, here's the deals. Uh, sports, they, they, they frown upon it. And, um, you mm. know, they still bust up on you in the airports, people. So be careful about that stuff. You don't want, you know, you don't want to get caught uh, in an airport. Yes, so. absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, a word to the wise. Uh, McLean County, while it's not exactly Oklahoma, um, discretion. Please uh, remember, in McLean County, great place to be. Exercise discretion. All right. Is that well, Bloomington? That's, uh, is that? It is. Is Bloomington Normal, home of Illinois State University? Um, I believe we know somebody um, close to us that may have graduated from that institution. Who's that? Um, it might be a producer. Oh, is that possible? It might be. <laughs> I don't know. The the you prestigious have... institution of Illinois State University. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey, it, Class it's of two thousand one. Yeah, I um, lied there. Yeah. No. Anyway, uh, that's kind of a. Uh, a little bit of a flat note, but, you know, we've got some positive, very positive news, actually, um, to pick us up from the Midwest melees. Um, check this out. There's uh, a gentleman by the name of Jay Selthoffner. He's, He's running uh, as an independent. How how do for, we meet up with this guy? Well, he was following us. I believe some of his staff actually was following the show, and uh, they, follow, or they, they wandered onto our Twitter account. They followed us in Twitter, and uh, we, we got uh, kind of – uh, notice of that and so found out who uh jay was and uh checked him out you checked him out actually initially and sent me an email and said look dude we really should uh interview this guy and i said i'm on it and i gave him a call and he returned my call pretty uh pretty quickly and uh was very very cooperative with us um let me uh just uh tell you who he is actually you know i think we can go right into our interview because we covered that in there and uh i did get a chance to uh he was gracious enough to offer us an interview and uh, so uh, let's just uh, check that out and see how it went. All right, here we go. All right, we're here on the phone with uh, Jay Selthoffner. Um First off, Mr. Selthoffner, thanks for joining us. Uh, let me start off by uh, informing people who you are. Uh, I'm speaking with Mr. Jay Selthoffner. He's running for Wisconsin State Assembly, 
in District 41 as an independent candidate. So, uh, Mr. Selfoutner, as I understand it, you're just uh, pretty much not satisfied with the things, uh, the way things, at least some things, uh, are being done, and you uh, decided to get proactive and do something about it, right? Oh, very much so. Uh, thanks for having me on. I very much appreciate the, the opportunity to speak. And, yeah, um, a lot of people in my district, uh, through my work in the, in the past, have expressed uh, concerns about the issue of marijuana or cannabis laws. I've extended my hand and ear to them. They've shared a lot of other issues for me. First-time candidate running as an independent, but uh, was respected in the business community, ran an insurance and investment practice before that. So really it comes from the support of the communities who urged me to run for this particular office. God, that brings me to my next question. I mean, I have to, it begs to be asked. I know a lot of people um, outside of our awareness are going to say, what in the world is he thinking? I mean, <laughs> so tell us, what, what brought you to dive into such an endeavor? You know, uh, long story short, uh, we had two bills that went through our, our uh, legislation cycle last session. Uh, one was specifically an industrial hemp bill. Uh, one was also a medical marijuana bill. I live in a rural part of Wisconsin. Uh, my district covers two major counties, spills over into five altogether. But uh, really, I just started around uh, bringing awareness up to people that, A, the bill was going before it right now, uh, easy ways to get involved, telling people who their legislators were. And you know, just through that basic interaction with the community, I saw overwhelming support, not only for the industrial use uh, and medical use, but also for the recreational use of, of marijuana. And you know, just it was a long campaign uh, from testifying and lobbying and working with uh, local organizations. Uh, I just I felt I had a, a good grasp on uh, a, a public policy that needed to be changed and one that the the public really did support. So I figured, eh, you know, it's uh, it's an easy issue to run on because there's a lot of information out there. It's easy to educate people, and to tell you the truth, the the support is just overwhelming in our district here. Awesome. So uh, the response has been pretty strong. That's a good thing to start out with. Uh, yeah, and I love your campaign slogan, vote for Jay and let's get growing. You awesome. know, we were, I was going to say, we were in, uh, it, you know, prior to the, um, the, to the, to the really prohibition of, in, of the hemp, the industrial hemp, uh, the district that I am was, was regionally known, a regional leader in that production of hemp. So it still uh -huh. grows on the, on the ditch sides, feral hemp still grows around here. So people sure. are, are familiar with the plant and, uh, it is, uh, one that we can, we're a farming community. We have patients who could benefit from, um, from medical marijuana and it's, uh, it's something again to, to get the community talking about. Absolutely. You know, I think all of us here at Cannabis Agenda are down with that part, no doubt. Uh, so, so do you have a pretty clear path along this way, or is there some serious competition in this race? What are you up against? Well, I'm running as an independent, so we do have a Democratic challenger, and this particular year we have a three-term Republican incumbent uh, who is facing mm -hmm. a primary, but as far as competition goes, I, I don't want to sound, you know, um, overly <laughs> optimistic here, but I really see that if people care about the issue and actually we get uh, people to go out and vote, the, there is no competition that I that I should I should be able to take this district. We had a recent poll. Uh, we had a recent poll that showed 90% approval for recreational and medical cannabis in our district. It was a pretty specific poll. Oh. Uh, yeah, so it's just overwhelming. Uh, I'm known in the community, and like I said, they're they're ready for a change. They are the the 
the, the district needs the change, and they want someone to be a leader down in Madison to do it for them. Well, hopefully you'll be able to manage population booms as well in case these things get passed, because I know our <laughs> listeners are going, where's that again? <laughs> honey, honey, get a pen. Write this down. You know, and it's actually the birth, the, the rip in Wisconsin, which is in my district here, it's actually the birthplace, they tout themselves as the birthplace of a Republican Party, of the Republican Party. So it's, uh, it's, it's going to be a unique situation come November 2nd when an independent candidate on a specific marijuana platform, full legalization, taxation, um, it, you know, it, it taken in the birthplace of the Republican Party, it, it's going to show... Uh, a, that Wisconsin is going to live up to its motto of forward, and we're going to make progress on this issue. We're going to create some laws that actually set precedents for other states. And like I said, we, wanna, we really want to be a leader in this nation. Awesome. So, so tell our listeners, what, in a nutshell, what are you hoping to accomplish through these efforts? Tell us something about uh, your proposals more specifically and what you're running on your platform. You know, I want a comprehensive bill that addresses, addresses cannabis, not only uh, industrial hemp for food, fuel, fiber. Uh, we need to address the issue of medical marijuana, and we really do need to address the issue of recreational marijuana. As I mentioned, we had two bills that tried to go through addressing the first two. Uh, seems like they did not pass because uh, recreational marijuana kept coming up in the conversation. So again, we see the support over there. A lot of the problems, not only in our state, but nationwide, can be attributed to the public policy uh, that we've come to know in the war on drugs. And what I plan to accomplish is to change this public policy, uh, either by um, winning an election uh, and helping create laws uh, for not only Wisconsin but for other states. And by some chance, if I don't win, I'm going to go on with my, uh, with my act- activism. You know, I'm in- involved in a tremendous amount of organizations here in Wisconsin, and mm-hmm. if we don't get it this time, we're going to get it next time. It's just Excellent. a matter of time. Yeah, yeah, excellent attitude. You know, uh, let our listeners be aware, be uh, aware of this attitude. This is what we're trying to to encourage people to uh, adopt here on uh, Cannabis Agenda. You know, get busy, get involved. It's what's necessary if you honestly want to change the way things are right now and change the law. That's the way we have to do it through changing the exactly. laws. And in order to do that, you have to get engaged and you have to get involved in things. So this thing is all runs on energy. Unfortunately, the, the thing we're most taxed for these days, it seems, we got to find ways to cultivate more energy and keep rolling with it. And you're certainly doing a good job with that. We're so, uh, we're so proud of you at this show for stepping out there and having the courage to make the changes that are necessary. Um, so we, we appreciate that for sure. Well, I appreciate all the support I can get. And like I said, it's, uh, it's really coming from the community and uh, the people that I would represent uh, uh, when I do get elected. And it's, it's time for a change, like I said, not only in Wisconsin, but you hit it right in the head, and it's time for the United States. And really, it's awareness. Uh, the right. more you talk to people about the issue, uh, we can see that it's time for a change, and we just need to let our voices be heard. Excellent. Excellent. Fantastic. We can't, uh, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, so it, it, it's been excellent speaking with you. I know that you're probably somewhat busy right about now. Um, and although we don't have staff, unfortunately, that resides in Wisconsin, uh, our collective hopes and best wishes do go with you, sir. Thank, thank you very much. Thanks for your time again and uh, best of luck to you. And uh, I appreciate it. Oh, and hey, never stop trying to affect the positive change that we need. All right. We need yeah. that and we appreciate you. That's kind of our slogan. Be the change that you want to be. Absolutely. Fantastic. Every day. Take care. Take care, uh, Jay. And we'll talk to you soon. We'll keep an eye on how things go up, how things turn out for you. Okay. Appreciate the time. Thank you again. Take care. Bye-bye.
We are definitely going to have to keep a keep an eye on that story. That was really yeah. cool. Wow, good. Yeah, it was a good interview, about, Jamie. Thanks a lot, man. Uh, thank you, thank you. I appreciate it. You know, actually, I almost want to apologize to some degree. You know, I uh, I, I explained to uh, Mr. Selthopner. You know, he he was so gracious to give me at least till ten thirty in the morning before he called me up. But I had been up so late last night. You know, I have an upcoming exam that I'm not really prepared for, and uh, it's you know, so I was tired and. Uh, you know, I got his name almost right. It's Selt Hoffner. That's S E L T H O F N E R, and it's kind of heavy on the T. You know, I mean, I made sure I had him, uh, uh, you know, inform me on how I should pronounce that. It's uh, J Selt Hoffner, and you can find out more about Mr. Selt Hoffner at his website. That is www.jselthoffner.com, um, and uh, all those that hail from Wisconsin, or even those with friends or relatives there. Um, Please be sure to spread the word about this very promising candidate. Um, uh, additionally, um, he's trying to raise funds, as is necessary in any campaign of this type. And uh, in this case, Mr. Selthoffner is asking only for $4.20 from 10,000 people. Nice. So, yeah. You know, that's it's a, that's not great. Gonna, it's not going to make him flow on a river of money. Um, and he's aware of that, and I think he's intentionally not attempting to do that. But this is uh, these are essential funds needed to help him in the media uh, arena and getting his word out there, where it's just really crucial to compete with these other people. So, so 40, 42 grand, huh? That's um, the target. Well, four twenty times ten thousand people is uh, yeah, maybe it is. Yeah, I think I think I got that right. Yeah, you know? uh, forty two thousand. Yeah, anyway, um, yeah, definitely, uh, definitely give him all the support you can. He's, how uh, big was his district? Did he, did you ask him how big his yeah, district it's, is? Uh, he stated in the interview, I don't know if you, you may have missed, he said, yeah. uh, two, it's two, it kind of extends out in, to some degree to, uh, several other counties, but it's primarily two major counties. Okay. And, uh, so it's, uh, it should be significant, but yeah, did you catch that? Uh, he said they're, they're polling on the industrial side and the medical cannabis side at about 90%. Wow, Fantastic. it's crazy to run on to be able to run on one issue and then for it to be cannabis. That would be that <laughs> and, would be and, a huge victory, wouldn't it? To have a three-term incumbent Republican. Yeah, <laughs> he sounded really confident too. I mean, he he does, he, he does. and I think for good reason. Um, we talked very briefly before uh, the interview, but we talked somewhat extensively afterward. Very enjoyable conversation and a uh, very intelligent uh, guy. I'm telling you, he's. Uh, I, well, I was telling him, you know, I've been around politics quite a bit. I've seen what it takes, the, the major basic, you know, elements that are necessary. And you really need to be intelligent as hell, as all get out. Um, you need to be tenacious, as it, you know, and, and uh, have the initiative to go in there and the courage to jump into a fight like this and wrap it all up in a consistent, genuine uh, positivity. And he's got all these things in spades, man. He's, he's, uh, he's off to a great start. And I think that'll be a, uh, hopefully a president-setting event should he win this election, you know, as a, on this, on this platform. So give him our support, please, by any means, by all means, give him uh, give him our support, maybe a few bucks as well. All right. News from the fed. What's going on. We were talking about the THC ministry just last week. It looks like something went down. No, I thank Jay for having that positive information to sandwich in between this horrible news between Dimitri Young and uh and the and the following news Jeez, from the Fed. That's totally yeah. sandwiched, isn't it? Yeah, he helped us out. Thanks for so thanks. He didn't realize he was gonna be doing that. Yeah. But uh see uh 
the news from the Fed today involves the issue that we were talking about in previous shows. We were talking, actually, I asked you, I believe last show, how you felt about cannabis as religion and in association with religion. And uh, that was preface, in preface of a story that concerned uh, a THC ministry founder that was opening, uh, well, intent on opening a new uh, ministry, a new church in Colorado, Colorado Springs. And uh, since that time, I believe right about that time or just after that time we were recording that show, in, in literal sense, um, this THC ministry is, is uh, located in, um, they're based in Hawaii, um, and they were raided by the feds. So um, 14 of them pled not guilty. Eight were held uh, after the Big Island uh, pot arrest occurred. Um, and this, uh, this story from Nelson Jurensiang of the Star Advertiser, that's a newspaper there in Honolulu. Uh, U.S. attorneys say an operation disguised as a religion, and, and, and keep in mind, this is what they say. U.S. attorneys say an operation that was disguised as a religion was a major drug trafficking group. Marijuana advocate Roger Christie ran a major drug trafficking organization on Hawaii Island under the guise of religious freedom through the Hawaii Cannabis Ministry in downtown, downtown Hilo, says the U.S. attorney uh, Florence Nakakuni. This was a large-scale business. Marijuana is big, and this group was heavily involved in it, Nakakuni said. County and federal law enforcement officers arrested Christie and 13 other Big Island residents Thursday on federal conspiracy and marijuana manufacturing, possession and distribution charges. All 14 pleaded not guilty to federal court yesterday. Uh, well, that was, uh, this was a few days ago when they actually um, posted this story. But U.S. District Judge J. Michael Seabright ordered Christie, Sherry Ann L. St. Cyr, Richard Bruce Turpin, Wesley Mark Sadbury, Donald James Gibson, John Bowie, the third Michael Shapiro, and Aaron George Zeman to remain in custody until next week when a federal magistrate determines whether to release them on bail pending their trial. Seabright ordered Su Suzanne Lenore Friend, Timothy Mann, Ronald Ignacio, Perry Palacio, and Victoria Fior, oh, also Jessica Walsh, wow, that's a mouthful, um, released on $25,000 unsecured signature bonds. Christie's maintained that he is a minister who administers marijuana as part of sacrament. There is no law that protects his allegations of using marijuana religiously, Nakakuni said. However, Hawaii's medical marijuana law does allow persons certified by a physician to possess up to a certain amount to treat a debilitating condition. Irrespective of state laws, it is DAA's job to enforce federal drug law violations, and that is what was accomplished in this investigation, said Robert Dinlocker, head of the Drug Enforcement Administration office in Hawaii. Thursday's arrests culminate a two-year investigation by federal and county law enforcement during which they seized 2,296 marijuana plants, nine weapons, 33 pounds of processed marijuana, more than $21,000 of cash, and four properties. Is that all? In a, yeah, in a... Intercepted, yeah, it doesn't actually, it literally doesn't really sound that huge, you know. No, for I mean, for, for a two year investigation, you know, I yeah, don't know how, how big their organization cost? is, but uh, so that cost about 40 times what they what they bagged on the 33 you know, pounds of marijuana over a two year period. Well, I mean, yeah. that's what they caught them with, so yeah. you know, like how much you know, so they had to grow more than that. Well, I mean, that's what I would, I would, I would assume. Yes, they the, the, in order to to afford to be able to lose some to the cops. Exactly, and I mean, 
they definitely sound commercial. Yeah, in intercepted telephone conversations, Christie indicated he went through more than half a pound of marijuana serving 60 to 70 customers per day at his ministry. Nakakuni said he also identified some of the other defendants as his suppliers, she said. Customers paid suggested donations for membership to the ministry, then paid a suggested donation of $400 per ounce uh, for marijuana, said Michael Kawahara, assistant U.S. attorney. Hmm. That, okay, so here's what we're talking about here. Marijuana uh-huh. as religion or marijuana as a religious business. I mean, he's, he's... Yeah, like, okay, so can I start selling wine out of a Catholic church or what? I don't right. see why you couldn't. Sell wine at a Catholic church? Yeah. Okay. Well, I don't have any... I'm not having any issues. I'm just saying, like... Ever- I don't know, Have you dude. Ever been is he trying? Is church? it? I mean, is he? Is it? Is it that it's really a sacrament, or is this? Have just you ever a, been in a church at all? Of course. Yeah, they try to get your money. Yeah, yeah. I tell you what, my a friend, donation, go to a Catholic but church, totally and sit around during during mass in a Catholic church for a couple hours, and you'll get the message that you try to sell wine in a Catholic church, and you'll probably have a, a supply problem. <laughs> uh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I agree, but I mean, you know, like <laughs> they definitely drink a lot, but I mean. You don't. I don't know. It's it's not a, um, a, a Catholic church is not a storefront for uh, for backdooring booze out. You know, you know, selling booze out the back door. Right. Dude. Well, it's, it doesn't yeah. sound like point well taken. If it's a religious sacrament, mm-hmm. and the only place you can get your religious sacrament is at your church, right? Yeah, it's a good point. Like, and you know what? I mean, I'm just it just sounds a little weird, you know. It like, is I'm a little used weird. to like it I'm is used a little to weird. like selling anti you know, like selling political ideas and Jesus at church, not, you know, buying reefer. It's just I mean, I, I'm I, I just yeah, I can't imagine. Like, oh you know, the thing is so hey but a lot of these people are like, so hey, that's the cool place to go buy weed. I don't even need a medical card. I can just go to this church. So they just go to the church just to buy weed. They don't go there because it's a sacrament. So is it is it illegal? Is really the question. That, that is what's going to be uh, kind of uncovered through this mm-hmm. uh, this process. They're going to try to find out if people actually did that, or if the people that went to them to get cannabis, um, regardless of of paying um, kind of coincidentally the street price for cannabis. Um, were they actually honest, dedicated um, religious believers, and were they part active part members of the of the church? And you know, this might not necessarily be a negative thing altogether, as as Christie put it, as he's he's um, very uh, confidently espoused over the over the well, shoot, more than a decade now. He this there is the laws. Uh, allow for this to occur under the context of how he's operating. So everything that he's said and everything that he's very adamantly espoused about over the last uh, many years is, is, is about to be put actually to the ultimate test. So we'll see how this, see uh, if he goes to jail for a long time or not. So, so, okay. So he had, they would do 60 to 70 patients a day, right? So at a half pound, about a half pound of weed a day is what they were going through, 60 to 70 patients. So he's claiming that his ministry has a fairly large congregation, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. thousand people at least probably. Sure, yeah. Yeah. So I wonder, and I wonder what kind of proof they have of how many members and like how many people showed up for their most recent, you know, uh, ceremony, ser- whatever uh, service, uh, whatever service. sermon, <laughs> pot sermon. <laughs> this is stoned. 
good. All oh, right. I wonder if you can listen to any of those How on the you? internet. I, I wonder, dude. If you uh, we haven't, no. uh, did you search into their website and see if you can like stream their uh, their sermons, um, their pot sermons? Yeah, I didn't find that part, but I imagine there probably is. Their website's pretty uh, pretty involved. It's got a lot of stuff on it. It's pretty neat. Um, we'll check that out. It's worth it's worth checking it out. Um, they have uh, they offer ministry kits and so forth, um, similar to the um, the what is it? Universal Life Church um, Monastery does the same type of a thing, and it's legally recognized. Believe me. Um, I mean, actually, federally, if you are ordained as a minister in that church. Um, and say, for example, I don't know, you went to a um, disability hearing, you know, and the Social Security puts this file, uh, you know, together about you, you know, due to that hearing. You could, you would read in there the details about your life. It would say this person is an ordained minister in the uh, THC ministry or Hawaiian ministry. So, yeah, it's it's legit stuff, you know. And uh, well, on that uh, on that level, anyway. And they can actually legally marry people and do anything that, uh, you know, a ministry, uh, you know, allows for them to do any of the rights and privileges that go along with it. But, yeah, we'll definitely keep an eye on this one. I'm very interested. I'll guarantee you one thing. And I wish this I wish they had stock that traded on any stock market (laughs) because it would be a it would be the next Apple. If he gets away with this and everybody goes home scot free, I guarantee you there will be a wave of people uh, contacting the THC ministry, no doubt about it. Uh, um. I just can't imagine. I mean, this is <laughs> these are going to be federal courts, man. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, this is going to go all the way to the Supreme Court, probably. Yeah, it I imagine could. it will. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. it very likely will. And um, yeah, you know, check out on his website there. You can read more about his stance, and he's very adamant. He's very aware of the laws, and he quotes different laws, different cases um, repeatedly. And so they're geared specifically for this type. Well, of thing. but my my question is: is are they trying to? Is it an actual religion that they believe in, or are they just yeah. trying to skirt well, you know, the laws it's, it's, and use the it's laws? It's just Christian. Their... It's just Christian faith, you know. But they they believe that. Uh, Cannabis is a sacrament, and it's part of that faith. They believe that the cosa bosom, kind of bosom, is that did I pronounce that right? Anyway, there's a this part of the anointing oils yes. and, and, and different elements from uh, biblical history. They actually contained cannabis, and uh, I think there's some historical uh, presence to. Uh, I mean, you know, there's some foundation to to indicate that that's a huge possibility that that was true. I mean, of course, you have to understand in that time they wouldn't have any of the stigma or the nonsense. To them, it just literally would be a plant, but it would have um, herbal qualities that they found uh, appealing for, you know, for certain uses. And where spirituality, certainly it fits kind of right in there. So I don't know. We'll Hmm. see. We'll see. Check out his website, though, and uh, at the THC Ministries um, over in Hawaii. And uh, you can read more about his about him and his stance. And I think you'll get the I think I'm pretty confident you'll garner the same opinion that uh, regardless of how this comes out, it's definitely going to be a a fight. (laughs) He's definitely going to he's definitely prepared to argue his case. Yep. That's uh, it's going to make a a, a one hell of a documentary. That's for sure. The whole thing, especially if they can. You know, if they've been documenting it with video over the course of the, you know, the its existence in Hilo. It sounds like they've been kind of waiting for this to happen. That's what it sounds like. It sounds it, like it this is a fight did. they wanted to, to fight. So, it, it, yeah, in a way, it really kind of did. It seemed like they, they took a stance, uh, uh, kind of a, a challenging stance from the get go. So, I don't know. I don't know if he wanted this. I'm, I can't imagine, but maybe he does. Maybe because he believes that he's going to come through the other side of this whole, you know, situation. Um, much strong. If he, if he doesn't get prosecuted and he gets, uh, 
You know, he's allowed to use his, his uh, religious defense with full, like, you know, success. My goodness. I can't imagine what's going to happen from there. <laughs> yep. But, you know, I say good for them. Yeah, it's going to be it's it's going to be huge to see how it works out. Yeah, we'll keep our eyes on that one. Definitely. This is something we we're uh, moving to the research bin now. We've been keeping our eye. Mm-hmm. We constantly tell people that we uh we definitely would we'd be happy to have more legit research done about cannabis. Um that it's needed that um you know, because of our federal laws, it's it's been very difficult for um, people to research and have the money to research cannabis uh, effectively. Um, there is um, the University of uh, UC San Diego is um, opening up a new Center for Medical Cannabis Research. Um, the Center for Med- Medicinal Cannabis Research uh, will conduct high-quality scientific studies intended to ascertain the general medical safety and efficacy of cannabis and cannabis products and examine alternative forms of cannabis administration. The center will be seen as a model resource for health policy planning by virtue of its close collaboration with federal, state, and academic entities. So, here you go, Jamie. How's that? You happy that there's going to be a new research? Oh my god! It's it's, it's coming like, through a, through it's a not co- college. Too late, but geez, we've been waiting for this forever. Thank goodness it's it's actually happening. And and God bless California. That's what I say about you. See San Diego too. It's a good college. It really is. I've uh, I've been down there and visited their campus. It's a really good college. Um, all UC schools are pretty strong. So. Um, you know, check them out uh, on their website, but also I want to make sure we mention on our website, CannabisAgenda.com, that we do have, we've started a book list. When we talk about books, we'll list the books for you with some links on how to get to them. And there's a supplementary list below the books that, that has things that aren't necessarily books like uh, the white paper from uh, Balco about the tactical raids that, that that's listed on there. And I also put this uh, Center for Medical Cannabis Research has um, compiled a report for the governor. And I believe the uh, what well, some some high ranking authorities of, of of the state of California, and they've submitted that, and we have a link to the PDF file for that as well. Awesome, check it out. And th- th- let's see the um, website for uh, this uh, research facility is uh, www.cmcr.ucsd.edu. Check them out. Uh, more will be coming from them in the future. We've uh, sent out a request to do an interview with them and kind of get more of the skinny on what's going on um, with their whole scene. So hopefully uh, they have success moving forward. You know who would be the best? They have some really good doctors in this on this uh, team of people that are working down there. And uh, one of them that I'm really happy about, Donald Adr- Abrams. Donald Abrams is very highly respected, really awesome doctor, and he does some some really good and relevant research. And he did he did one recently, I think, uh, one of his latest ones. It's listed in that PDF and that in that in that report that's on our site. Um, it's about uh, vaporizing as opposed to smoking cannabis. Pretty good, a pretty interesting study. So, yeah, it'd be awesome if if you could you could hook them if you could hook him. What do you think? Yeah, like I, I put that. I, we're we're, <laughs> try, we're 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 Sending out the request, we've sent the request. We're trying our best to get them on air and see uh, see if we can poke and prod and get some uh, get some good info from them. I'm sure they've got plenty to share. Fantastic! Hey, uh, this is a, a more recent, um, uh, well, a very recent uh, research uh, finding that's been released. Uh, experienced marijuana consumers exhibit virtually no change in cognitive task performance after smoking. The study says. 
Um, this is from July 8th, 2010, um, out of New York on the normal site. Remember, this is uh, normal, N-O-R-M-L, the National Organization Reform of Marijuana Laws. You can get them at normal.org and find out some more about this. Um, the, study, the story says that experienced marijuana consumers exhibit nominal changes in cognitive performance after inhaling cannabis, according to clinical trial data published online this week in the journal Pharmacology, Biochemistry, and Behavior. Investigators at Columbia University in New York and the San Francisco Brain Research Institute assessed acute marijuana-related effects on cognitive functioning in 24 volunteers who reported consuming the drug at least 24 times per week. Researchers determined that participants' overall performance accuracy on episodic memory and working memory task, quote, was not significantly altered by marijuana, end quote. The authors included, or concluded, and I quote them, the present findings show that smoked marijuana produced minimal effects on episodic and spatial working memory of near-daily smokers. The overall response accuracy on the world recognition and working memory task was unaffected by marijuana, although smoked marijuana did increase the amount of time participants needed to complete these tasks. This pattern of effects is consistent with results previously reported by other researchers studying the acute effects of marijuana on cognitive performance of regular users. The finding stands in contrast to previous findings in occasional smokers who showed reduced accuracy on these same tasks after marijuana. The observation that frequent users' response accuracy is not altered after marijuana smoking to the same extent it is for infrequent users suggests that near-daily marijuana smokers may have developed tolerance to some marijuana-related behavioral effects. Yeah, I believe that. For more. Yeah, I think so, too. So, you know, it's like your Wheaties. Eat them every day. And, uh, <laughs> but, uh, for more information about this story, please, you can contact uh, Paul Armentano uh, or, or uh, our producer's dog has something to chime in about the story as well, it sounds like. Um, <laughs> Paul Amritano is uh, the Normal Deputy Director. You can reach him at paul at normal.org. And full text of the study, Neurophysiological and Cognitive Effects of Smoked Marijuana in Frequent Users will appear in Pharmacology, Biochemistry, and Behavior. Yeah, so that's uh, that's the show for today, I believe. We kind of wrapped it up. Wrap um, it how do you guys up. feel? Let's roll it up. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a wrap, Number dude. 20. Number 20, yeah, down, absolutely. all right, 400 yeah, to go. I want to thank everybody for joining us on this uh, edition of the Cannabis Agenda. Um, Mr. Pot Green, could you uh, take us along the way on uh, how they can get a hold of us? Contact info. Um, you can hit us at our website, www.cannabisagenda.com. Our email, info at cannabisagenda.com. Phone number, <clears throat> 707-654-CAN-C-A-N-N. Leave us a message. If it's cool, we'll play it on uh, the show. Um, and you can also find us all on Twitter um, and Facebook. And, of course, you can uh, update uh, you can update your show list with, from iTunes with us. So, Or you can listen directly from the website, however you choose. Um, but it looks like we're, uh, we're going to end the show uh, after, the, after the outro here. We're going to end the show with a, a clip. Um, what's yes, up? Yes, somewhat uh, sobering display. Uh, this is a young young gal named Erin. I believe this is posted on YouTube. You could probably find it. Um, we'll include uh, the Cogs- Okay, excellent. And uh, this uh, 
this is this is pretty sobering. This is a the this stresses the importance of why it's so necessary for you to s- disseminate honest information. Talk to your kids. Ask them how they're doing. Ask them how they're really doing. Tell them the truth about things. Earn their trust, you know, and let them know the truth about cannabis and and you know as as far as you know other things as well. But you know we're talking about cannabis here. Let them know the truth about cannabis. Otherwise, or should I say, lest you might be left with uh, I don't know what could we call this. Kind of the the Gestapo mind uh, robot, or I don't know how <laughs> I don't know how I don't know, I don't know exactly how to describe this young lady. I'm sure she has good intentions and maybe a good heart in there, but uh, goodness gracious, she's a uh, a little bit off on her on her approach to things. And and uh, check this out. This is Erin's uh, um, essay she's reading to us about the dangers of cannabis. And uh, until next time. Um, Thanks for joining us again. Uh, Take care and uh, peace and pot to all. Later, y'all. Peace. You've been listening to The Cannabis Agenda, your weekly source for cannabis-related news and informed discussion. We podcast for an hour every Monday covering topics related to cannabis legalization, medical marijuana, and market-related information. You can follow online with us at CannabisAgenda.com. Hi, my name is Erin Hagee, and the title of my speech is Legalizing Marijuana. The central idea of my speech is to view both pros and cons of legalizing marijuana and to view both the opposing and agreeing side. Growing up in high school, marijuana was very prevalent. There was a group of guys called the Potheads. They smoked pot every day, and they didn't realize that marijuana is a gateway drug, which leads them to worse drugs such as Oxycontin and cocaine, which also became a problem for them. Recently, this past year, one of our friends died because of an overdose, so I take this topic very seriously. This topic is very important to all of us because if marijuana does become legalized, there will be more people trying it, and the youth of America will come up with knowing that it is legal, and nothing is there to stop them, because most people wouldn't want to do it because there's a law there and they don't want to get in trouble, but without the law, there's nothing stopping them. Throughout high school, we've also had motivational speakers come and talk to us to try to get kids, like, to prevent them from smoking. But um, I've also had personal experiences with my friends going through rehab and trying to help them get over their drug addiction. And I have also researched this topic very thoroughly. Today I'm going to talk about three ways legalizing marijuana is harmful to our country and also touch on briefly why people agree with legalizing marijuana. Now that we know three ways that it's harmful, let's talk briefly why people agree with it. People say that it's beneficial for health reasons, such as cancer, but what they wouldn't know without research is that there are cancer-causing funguses and cells that grow on the marijuana plants. So instead of helping them, sometimes the plants can actually harm them worse. They also say that it will reduce the number of prisoners that are in jail, which would reduce our taxes. And they say that it will be another something to tax for revenue. The reason why people 
oppose it, the first article I have is Opposition to the California Marijuana Legalization Initiative 2010. Alexander Dautig, the author, quotes, Drug addiction is an epidemic and marijuana is a silent killer. For California to legalize marijuana would further contribute to the harms that addiction brings upon our youth, our families, and our communities. The first thing to go when people start smoking weed is their ambition. They lose drive, they don't, they become very lazy. Um, their reaction time is far less. They don't have enough um, drive to keep their schoolwork going and if they were to be driving after smoking, their reaction time is a lot slower. So they could run into a child or hit a car and put other people in harm's way. Now that we understand the, how the consequences of the increase in weed smokers, let's talk about the detrimental activities it can bring also and the negative effects on people. Marijuana is responsible for turning studious, well-behaved students into teens in trouble. The study, a direct link, there's a study known um, by Don Fetter and Damon Linker that there's a direct link between marijuana and delinquent depressive behavior. The, um, straight from the article by Don Fetter and Damon Linker, Legalizing Marijuana Would Harm Society, 2006, they did a study that proves that crime will go up as smoking pot goes up. <clears throat> now that we understand the detrimental activities that come from smoking pot, let's talk briefly about how people <coughs> will um, become less valued and our country's beliefs will deteriorate. From the article, Texas Highways, by William Martin, he supports the fact that legalizing marijuana would harm our country's values and beliefs by stating that, quote, The pleasure derived from smoking marijuana is a hollow pleasure that leaves a feeling of emptiness in a user's soul. I think this is very important because especially young kids coming up in high school if they or in middle school, they don't exactly sometimes fit in and the only way out they know is to do drugs because it gives them a satisfaction that isn't really there. They need to be finding their satisfaction in schoolwork, in club sports, or in sports, or in band, or anything. But for them to legalize marijuana this day and age when times are so hard for everyone, I think that it is difficult for anyone to get out of a drug addiction, especially if they start to see differences in how people approve of them. To wrap things up, the cons far outweigh the pros. Not only will this will legalizing marijuana be bad for the health of the people in our country, but for the future of our country and for the future Americans coming up. Today I have explained the consequences and the increase in weed smokers, the increase in negative and detrimental activities, and how it would bring our country down, and how it would take away from our country's values and beliefs. For our future generations, whether that be your siblings, your children, or your grandchildren, do we want them to start on a path that will lead to apathy and poor work ethic? In an uncertain time like this, in a world where nobody knows what's going to happen next, everyone needs to have aspirations and motivation to get through these trying times. 
I urge you to go to hall meetings in your community, cast votes, and involve yourself in your children, siblings, or grandchildren's lives. Get the word out that this is a dead end if we do legalize marijuana. Thank you for watching.